I listen to the Black Guy Who Tips podcast because Rod and Karen are hot. DK, Donkey Kong, he's the leader of the bunch. You know him well. He's finally back to kick some tail. His coconut gun can fire in spurts. If he shoots you, it's going to hurt. He's bigger, faster, and stronger, too. He's the first member of the DK crew. Hey, welcome to the Black Outers podcast. Y'all, Rod and Karen. And we're in the house on a Monday night. Uh, no NFL football, no NCAA championships, just us, Karen. And uh, we have a very special guest, NBA expert, uh, <laughs> uh, comedian uh, Mike Lawrence, um, who's been on the show before. He's also done a couple movie reviews with us. Um, you might know him from his podcast, Nerd of Mouth, which is an excellent podcast. I listen to it uh, every every week that it comes out. Um, and you might follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow, at the Mike Lawrence. And his website is MikeLawrenceComedy.com. And as you guys can hear, he's uh, erecting the tent in the background. What's going on, Mike? Not much. I had to bite my tongue and not say that Monday Night Raw was happening now when you were mentioning <laughs> all the events that are occurring. Uh, oh, yeah. We have a lot of people that watch that. I see people live tweeting that, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I had realized the last time that I uh, – well, we, we, we talked about nonstop together, but the last time I was on a, a full episode – of your show with Karen uh, was literally the day after, like, I saw Ride Along. Yeah. And now I'm on again right after another Kevin Hart January movie comes out. Yeah. So. <laughs> January is his month. Now, I had also. Yeah, just- I know. <laughs> He's I- like, I'm not moving towards July or June yet, but you give me <laughs> January and September. <laughs> now, I had also just seen that movie. Um, now, th- this year I have not made the mistake of seeing Kevin Hart's movie. Did you see uh, his newest movie? No, although, you know, there's all this talk about lack of diversity in movies. That is the most diverse poster that I've ever seen. <laughs> just just by being the first poster to have a bald Asian man on it. <laughs> a young bald Asian man and Hurley from Lost. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kevin Hart, you know, he, for, for, for his shortcomings, for all his shortcomings, he does play a lot of uh in a lot of diverse movies even if not diverse roles yeah. um, oh snap yes. <laughs> I, uh, I would say the wedding ringer poster is martin luther king dream, jr's dream come to life <laughs> i had a dream that one day a black guy with not much depth as an actor teams up with a less funny slightly fatter jack black with glasses <laughs> And we find out that Hurley from Lost is not dead, as he should have been from Hurley-related causes. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what's funny? Um, his trailers, um, and I, I don't know if it's just a black thing or not, but uh, every time I see a Kevin Hart trailer, part of me does want to see the movie. And I don't know why, because I know it's going to be bad. But, like, I found myself looking at like trying to go to the movies, looking at what was out. And I was I was literally sweating bullets over, like, American Sniper, Selma, or The Wedding Ringer. I, it's, it's, <laughs> that's, I'm so serious. I, I'm the, the one movie that doesn't have brutal violence in it will be the one you wish did. Yeah. <laughs> like someone kill me, if, if nothing else. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it is Oscar time. And uh, there has been a lot of conversation around the Oscars, man. So I thought we we talk about some acting stuff. There's I got a lot of acting news, actually. Um, now, Mike, before we get started, have you ever done any acting? 
Yeah, um, not a lot. I, I was in, uh, I was in, um, inside Amy Schumer last year in a sketch as a creepy guy typecast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It was the part I was born and then gave up for. Uh, oh. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was a, she ran a, a serial killer eyeglass store and it was, uh, John Glazer, who's, who's amazing, uh, Artie Lang, who's like the best, and then me. So it was, it was cool, uh, being on set and stuff. <laughs> That's, but almost everything I auditioned for is drifter or addict or, Fat guy who thinks he's attractive, but nobody else does. So all the roles Josh Gad gets. Uh, so fuck him. No. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. You just walk into the audition and you see him there. You just turn around and walk out. Yeah. <laughs> I just shoot him. I go, I don't believe in Gad. <laughs> hey, hey, baby, just to let you know, for some reason, Spreecast yeah. is cutting a fool. And everybody's talking about their... Stuff is going black, and they can't hear or see us. Okay, they got to refresh. I don't know um, on my end. I'll try to refresh it one more time. But Okay. Um, now, also, after you shoot them, you got to go, God damn. And then, <laughs> In God we trust. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, a lot of stuff has happened um, since the last time you were on the show, man. You got married. Yeah, yeah. Aww. yeah how's, how's married how's life treating you? It's good. It's funny, like, being asked how married life is, like, three months into a marriage is, like, when you watch a movie and someone asks you, do you like it so far? And you've just seen, like, the production credits. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That that Mandalay Tiger is pretty cool, but I don't know how this is really going to work yet. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, some movies you can tell five minutes in, like, this is going to be a shit fest. So, uh, yeah. you know, got it says in. with Kevin Hart. No. <laughs> yeah, you see the title. I, I love Kevin Hart. I'd like to work with him someday. I yeah. will uh, gladly play a serial killer in one of his films. Uh, <laughs> um, now, I heard he's a really great dude. And I and I kind of love how he stuck it to Sony. Uh, first of all, um, like my non enjoyment of his of most of his films does not impact two things. One, that's me seeing more of his films. I don't know why that's. I'm assuming it's got to be because I'm black. I I can't. Or calling them films. Yeah, yeah. Right. I just I just keep being like, you know what? Maybe this time he finally got it together. Um, and then the other thing is, I still root for him as like a person because he worked yeah. he worked so like he's the um he's like the white dude that plays wide receiver in the NFL where you just like that dude must work hard as fuck. Right, he's really movie. hardworking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. I just wish his films were more heartwarming. Uh, <laughs> oh. The thing, the thing about him, it's like because the stand-up is great, like the personality's great. Um, but movie-wise, I feel like he just saw Eddie Murphy's career and he just went, "I just want to go to the second part." Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to have to deal with the the credibility of the first part of his movies. So I'll just. <laughs> He I will. Think, I, I, I think, like with movie wise, his thought is, I just do it for the money, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, also, I mean, like uh, I was reading an article today where he was saying that he would never play a gay person in a movie, mostly because he feels like he's not talented enough to pull it off. Which, yeah. you know, I wouldn't argue with him. He he probably isn't. Me either. But at the same time, like. um but see that see the only thing that I take issue with there is yeah. 
how much differently do you have to play it if sexual preference is the only difference? Yeah. You know, you can just be a gay person. You know right. what I mean? You don't have to play a gay person with all of the pain and horror of the gay rights movement. You know? Well, you know, <laughs> like, um, Kevin Hart is a method actor. So, uh, <laughs> he would have to get, he had to get pretty. He was actually at my wedding. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. That was the thing for me is like, I won't begrudge somebody for saying, like, I wouldn't do this because I don't think I'd be good at it. Although, I think I do get to judge them and say, well, that means you're not as good at this thing as other people because other people do it all the time. Yeah, I don't think he's trying to be as, you know, it's like, that's the thing, too. With his, You're paying to see him. Right. I mean, as much as, you know, I was the biggest Chris Farley fan growing up. That's the only celebrity death that, like, legit made me cry. Mm-hmm. Um and he was just Chris Farley in every movie. Right. Mm-hmm. But And that's what you wanted. I mean, there's some people that have more range and can stretch and turn to something else. But sometimes, and especially in the 30s and 40s and 50s of like the, the big studio era of movies where they just pumped shit out and there wasn't really television yet. Right. That's what you do, you know. You, you'd go see Bob Hart and... Uh, who is it? Uh, Bing Crosby and all those road movies. And there would be like nine of them or the Marx Brothers or the Three Stooges. It was the same shit every time. Right. But you went because you knew it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I think uh, I just think when people say that he's not a good actor or whatever, that's that's kind of him lending credence to that. Like he's good at just doing him and that's it right um which is what most people have been saying about him anyway like i didn't find what he said to be controversial Mm -mm. but it seems like uh because i basically said well you know that's because he's not that good at acting people are like whoa whoa so you gotta insult the man i'm like is that an insult he's kind of saying it ain't he though anyway it was also like how much different is i now pronounce you chuck and larry from most Adam Sandler, Kevin James movies. You know what I mean? Like, what really, what real different approach did those guys bring to that movie that they didn't bring in their other family-type comedies? Yeah, plus I think being gay in comedy for a man isn't necessarily as far-reaching as it is in drama or for women. Like, it's kind of like you just, maybe you have to hold hands with a dude. Maybe you'll see a dude with no shirt on or something at some point, but you, like it's very rarely like these intense love scenes and stuff like that. So yeah, I, he could do it. I think. But I, I think he only saw Brokeback Mountain and was like, <laughs> "I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not putting on that cowboy hat." Like, no, no, gay people, gay people. You know, they have lunch sometimes, and they <laughs> right. They go see Kevin Hart movies. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> There's gay people at the Wedding Ringer right now. Uh, mostly in the 36 states that allow gay marriage, uh, but <laughs> or else it's, it's really sad. It's you know. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. Um, there's uh, there's more acting news going, but let me first introduce the show. This is the Blackout Tips. Find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Search the Blackout Tips dot uh, com also uh and you can become a premium listener you can uh li- leave comments you can vote in the polls have your voice heard all that stuff um leave us five star reviews on itunes and stitcher and we promise we'll read them on the show as long as we like them uh because we're arrogant like that 
um you can also do cool things like uh visit our sponsors and uh like tweakedaudio.com use code tbgwt and you will be able to get 33 percent off your headphones plus you get um free shipping and you get a lifetime guarantee at tweakedaudio.com um use it while you're doing your new year's resolutions all right you guys are probably getting in the gym right now get you some headphones get you some music keep motivated you know uh, a lot of people's headphones are breaking right now mm-hmm. go ahead and uh get you some new ones man um the official weapon of the show is the taser an unofficial sport is bullet ball and bullet ball extreme all right back to mike doing dishes and let's <laughs> uh, i will i will say this this one last thing about this uh is Kevin Hart thing is that the rock remember so he does he does uh Scorpion King it was like yeah. his first mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. but then he does be cool yes. and he plays a gay guy who's like a bodyguard mm-hmm. who also wants to be a singer yep remember this country western singer yeah i remember yeah. <laughs> well it's my it's my it's my top 5 rock roll yeah now that's a terrible movie. It's mm-hmm. really, really horrendous. They, they just made a PG thirteen get shorty and had an odd Aerosmith cameo and, and lots of flaws in the movie. But he's good in it, yep. and it's not. And you know why he was good in it? Because he's just the Rock, and he's not like, "Hey guys, how's it going?" <laughs> right. You know, right? Oh, I smell what you're cooking. You know, like he's <laughs> just he's just himself, like. But and then he just says he's gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's really that's all you got to do. That's really all you got to do. There's so many different types of people that are gay. It's not like there's one way to do it. Um, and yeah, that that movie. Um, I also hated that movie, um, but I love the rock in it. And at the time that I said I hated it, everybody was saying it was a good movie. So then I had like this. I had to argue about the damn movie all the time. Oh. Cause I was just like, this movie sucked. They're like, no, the, you can't say that the rock was so good. I was like, he was good. Him, just it. Um, yeah. now we talk, you, we talk about movies sometimes on, on Facebook and whatnot. And I see you, uh, talk about movies on Nerd of Mouth and all this stuff. Uh, so I thought we'd do a little movie talk on the show. Um, what are you looking forward to for 2015, man? Um, not as much as I thought. You know, like, to be honest with you, like, I know, like, there's the big nerd movies coming out. Um, I think some of them will be good, but I find the Avengers marketing to be underwhelming. Uh, Mm. The uh, Ant-Man trailers just to be awful. Mm. Fantastic Four. I know nothing about it. Uh, Everything I do know about it, like, there's, there's been no trailer. Everything I do know is kind of scary. Yeah. But, um... Star Wars just wasn't my thing growing up. I I think it'll be good. I think Abrams knows how to make that type of movie. I think it's cool that the guys from The Raider are in it. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. The guy from Attack the Block is in it. I, I think and the guy from Inside Lewin Davis. Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting cast. I kind of I'm the that I think that's part of what's fascinating. How I know I'm not a Star Wars guy is I'm way more interested than all in all of the new people that are in the movie than the sad old people. Well, I feel like as a Star Wars fan, I also am uh, excited about the new blood because I mean, seventy year old Han Solo. I mean, yeah. I really just can't. 
I really can't see that guy doing a lot of action scenes. He broke his ankle on the set, you know. Like yeah. he looks like he's had a stroke. He's very oh, uncomfortable wow. looking. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he does, man. I saw him in um, Forty Two as Branch Ricky, and I just kept being like, "That dude was on Solo. Oh my god, I'm so old." So, uh, but no, I I think Star Wars might be my most anticipated film, man. Um, um I'm excited about that because that came out on what Black Friday, and like it was what everybody talked about i was yeah. excited that trailer shut the internet down I, I love it um just because i think jj abrams will make the first good star wars movie so i'll be i'll be into it <laughs> as opposed to George i think Lucas. the first three like the original three they're they're great for what they are but right. they're like awesome genre films that have somehow been mistaken as brilliant films and I, I agree don't, i don't you know and there's fun moments in them but like I watched, uh, you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy to me is like Star Wars done perfectly. Yeah, I feel like Star Wars, the original trilogy, trilogy just aged like Carrie Fisher, you know. It, back then, I was all into it. It holds but... up as well as uh, Harrison Ford's feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, it's not like when I try to watch it now, it's, it's 100% nostalgia and not very much um Oh, this is just legitimately good. Um, and with the new trilogy, I think the first two movies are ab- abhorrent. Um, the bad. But I do like the third of the new trilogy, only like ha- the second half of it when um, Anakin turns evil and starts killing everybody. Right, because he has no speaking parts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once Hayden Christensen doesn't talk, I like him more as an actor. I don't right. know why. Um, but I, I am looking forward to um, Ant-Man a little bit, but I think it's more like, um, to use a sports analogy here, uh, hopefully I don't lose Mike, but uh, it's kind of like when a guy is hitting a bunch of jump shots in the NBA, and then one time he just decides, I want to shoot from like fucking half court, because I hit everything else, and I feel like that's what Marvel's doing with Ant-Man, where they're like, we hit everything else, we're going to just try this, and, and if it... You know, if it doesn't go in, if it doesn't work, it, you know, no harm, no foul. They'll just go back to the, you know, tried and true franchises they have. But I think I think Guardians already was that, you know, mm-hmm. Guardians was that like five seconds left in NBA Jam <laughs> and you just hit the throw button uh-huh. from across the court. <laughs> yes. And it actually gets in. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. bust out, he's on fire! Yeah. <laughs> Boom shakalaka. Yes. Yeah. The um, nail in the coffin, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess um, Ant-Man is like when they switched up the code to get um, Bill Clinton, and they're just going to play as him uh, in NBA Jam. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm kind of excited about it, but only because I feel like I've liked most of the Marvel movies at this point. So I guess it, they probably could announce anything, and I'd, be, and I'd probably be excited, which... Uh, you know, um, I guess eventually I that's going to tap out. After the Edgar Wright thing, I really want, I really needed to see a great trailer. And I don't like the colors of it. It's like yeah. all red and black and kind of drab looking. And even the Avengers trailer just looks, I, I guess they're, you know, it is their like Empire Strikes Back. It's the second one. Yeah. But it's just so bleak and depressing. <laughs> and the thing I loved about Guardians and I loved about Avengers is that they were actually fun. Yes, yes very yes. fun. And now I gotta ask you this about Guardians, cause, you know, like I said, I listen to Nerd of Mouth, um, and I love Guardians. Like, I, I would say it's my favorite of the Marvel movies at this point, and I think it's kind of, it's been a while, so I feel comfortable saying that. 
but you don't like that they did the um the dance off at the end man you're not a fan of that right I, I despise it. <laughs> I think it's everything that's wrong with the Marvel movies. Oh man! But it's not so. We, we can talk about this. It just doesn't make sense from a character standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for because Ronan the Accuser is Fred Phelps. Mm-hmm. He is a hateful bigot who <laughs> oh. will do anything he can to you know. He's you know he's. Let's let's just say uh, Star Lord is Charlie Hebdo and he's <laughs> oh, the is? terrorist. <laughs> I mean, I know, but but the thing is, you could say what you want about Fred Phelps, and you could say what you want about the terrorists, but they are unflinching right. in their faith to their cause, and they will fuck you up. Oh, right. <laughs> you know these these are people who just don't care because right. they're zealots and. Fred Phelps would not let people dance. Yeah. You know, again, those terrorists would not. It just doesn't yeah. make sense. He yeah. has omnipotent power. He has one goal and mission. He would not be distracted by what Star-Lord did because mm-hmm. he'd be too obsessed to but, allow anything to happen and would just obliterate him. But wouldn't a dance off be the one thing Fred Phelps wouldn't see coming? You know, like he wouldn't oh. care. I mean, this is a guy who protested soldiers' funerals, right? You know, <laughs> no. Well, no, he, he didn't. Wouldn't. Now it's not, but it's not like Fred Phelps joined into the dance. You know what I mean? Like ah, he was just looking like, "What the fuck are y'all doing?" And that was all I mean, the, the distraction that they needed. There's the iconic image, you know, when you think of like the early 70s and how we weren't in the 60s anymore and how dark things got, right? Right. Of the hippie putting the flower in the gun. Yeah. And then the gun fires. Mm hmm. Yeah. So Star Lord's the flower the- and okay. Ronan's the gun. But <laughs> wouldn't that be a really sad way to end that movie? I no, I agree. <laughs> I, 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 I see. I see why it happened. It just isn't. It doesn't make sense for the character. It's right. a very poorly written scene. Mm. You barely give. I mean, Ronan barely has any lines anyway. But you make him this one-dimensional zealot, and then he's what's that? And that's most of the Marvel <laughs> movie villains. They get distracted easily. They're really dumb. Um, I mean, look at uh, Whiplash in. Iron Man 2, he takes his helmet off. Oh, yeah. Well, Iron Man 2 sucks, in my opinion. So there's like Sam Rockwell's know. amazing in it, though. Yeah, uh, there's yes. some good parts of it. Yeah, he's the rock of their... Um, <laughs> rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of their <laughs> be cool, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was not a, a fan of that movie. And, mm-hmm. yeah, he's I thought, in stark contrast to the rest of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I guess also... Um, like you said, the tone, the tone was more fun. So I think I just let it slide, man. Like, I like me that dance off, man. Um, yeah. I mean, as long as I don't go back to the well in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I can let it slide. But we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it is that thing. It's the suspension of disbelief. Like, and that's the thing I will say. I accepted the fact that you don't know how he got batteries for yeah. his Walkman. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's like whatever, okay. But when it's like a, because that's like a technical nerd nitpick. But when it's right. like a character motivation, 
Mm. It just seems like it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and Ronan was pretty one note up to that point, and unrelenting. So, but I, you know what? What are you doing? No, he he wouldn't ask that though. I, I just, will, but here's the thing though: they did set up earlier that Ronan, you know, would let people that didn't need to bother him distract him when he uh fought Drax the Destroyer. Like he, like Drax, basically was uh, just a mild distraction for him. You know, like he could have just been like, man, this ain't on my mission and kept handling his business. But he, he took time to beat that dude's ass and let him know I killed your family. Yeah, and he killed Thanos' guy just to show how tough he was. Yeah, that was cool. Which further man. doesn't make sense that he would let Star-Lord dance. Yeah. When he has the omnipotent power he's been searching for through the whole movie and he's laying waste to cities without thinking twice about it. Yeah. Why is he thinking twice about this if he's never thought twice about anything else? Well, that's just and a- where is the music coming from? Well, that's just because you've never been jammed. You've never had anybody jam like that on you. And I feel like, (laughs) you know. No, but he's got headphones on. How could the music be that loud? Not to mention Ronan has a helmet on. Well, his interdimensional space batteries obviously uh, are able to maximize the speakers on his headphones. That was obvious to me. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what movie you saw. Um, (laughs) I did. (laughs) The Wedding Ringer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so are you not looking, I don't, I, cause I've never, uh, saw you talk about these movies, so I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm a guess that you're not a fan, but, uh, you're not looking forward to, uh, Fast and Furious number seven? I've never seen any of them. What? Wow. Yeah. I'm excited. Holy crap, man. Well, now it's way you, too late for you to get started. I'm the one person who wasn't sad when Paul Walker died. Oh, uh, oh. oh. no, I wasn't either. He owed me some money cause I saw Brick Mansions. Oh, I didn't, I didn't go see that foolishness. Nope. Yeah, I was not a. I didn't appreciate how he. Well, he's living in that brick mansion in the sky. Oh, uh, thug uh. life. Um, him and Tupac. Uh, so no fur. Uh, okay. Well, what about this movie? Um, it's called. Um, uh, what the fuck was the name of it? Um, should I see the Fast and Furiouses? Listen, here's the thing. Um, I'm gonna say no, right? Because I hate when you specifically watch things I love because you <laughs> always end up dissecting them to a point where I'm like, God damn it! I guess the movie did have this fucking thing in it that I shouldn't be cool with, and and then I end up not liking it, and it's just not worth it for me. So I would appreciate if you just keep staying away because those movies are such silly fun. That, uh, oh yeah, that that made no sense, and everything yeah. is impossible. And, and it took it took until the last three movies, which are written by Justin Lin, to be good. So I had to sit through like three shitty movies, really bad ones, and then three really fun movies. Yes, and, and he's got like an indie background and stuff. Yeah, and he's actually going to be directing the next Star Trek. So like he, you know, he's moving on to bigger and better things, but. Yeah, I don't want you to watch these movies because I don't need you to tell me what I already know, which is that they're not that good. I was going to ask you about the Kingsman, Se- the Secret Service. Did, were you interested? It was in fun. That? Yeah, I'm interested. I think I, I love good. Samuel L. Jackson. Like, I don't know what he's doing in the movie, but it looks great. <laughs> it looks like a Spike Lee impersonation, but I'm not uh-huh. sure. He got his yeah. hat to the side. Yeah, he's got a New York Knicks hat and a slight lisp and some glasses. I don't know, man. I'm in. Spike Lee might want to sue for some sort of uh, copyright infringement or something <laughs> there. 
Um, if he if he says please baby baby please baby baby, yeah. <laughs> yeah. His, his character's name is just Bars Macman. Yeah, You're like what? <laughs> it's different. <laughs> so so I, I, yeah, I'm excited about that, and um, you know, obviously the, the typical age Age of Ultron, I think is gonna be um greatness. I think it's gonna be great, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're not showing much in the trailers on purpose now. And don't please don't just yeah. You I, got my money. Don't don't please don't. Yeah. I, I, I kind of work that they're gonna show us a bunch of shit um, during the Super Bowl because they did that last year I mean the last time they had a movie for Avengers and I mean I guess it didn't hurt the movie too bad but they showed that scene where the Hulk grabs Iron Man when he's falling back to the earth and that's like the end of the fucking movie man like you just gave away everything thanks assholes so I hope that the trailer isn't that good for the Super Bowl Yeah, you you ever watch a trailer for a movie for the first time after you've seen a movie, yeah, and and it just yeah, and you just realize how much it gives away, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. the worst, man. And so that's one thing about movie trailers, me and Rogers. If I see a movie and I go, "You got my money," I avoid commercials like a plague. I'm nope, don't want, don't show me nothing. Yeah, yeah, because I want to enjoy the movie. Yeah, like I think uh, Star Wars was my exception this last year because. I kind of needed my faith renewed because I was like, God damn it. How can much worse can this franchise get? And that was the one trailer that surprised me enough to go, all right, I'll be there. All right. Well, George um, Lucas did like the most amazing thing, though. You know, he when he sold to Disney, right. he gave all of that money to charity. Yeah. Oh. To, like educational grants and program. We're talking yep. like four point six billion dollars. George Lucas's wife is the real MVP, man. Yes, she is. That lady, uh, she made him do that Red Tails movie and you know, only a saint would would do some shit like that because that movie was shit. And like it and like when I heard George Lucas speak on it and he was like, you know, there's a lot of young black kids that need people to look up to and there's not a lot of movies with role models in them and I wanted to make that movie and I was just like, God damn, this dude really loves that woman because this movie sucks. Like there's no way anyone watched that movie and went, It will inspire a generation of black kids to be something. She was like, When you die, you can't take this money and I die, I can't take this money. Help somebody. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's my theory anyway. Well, I think we're going to find out she's the real philanthropist over yeah. there. But uh, all right, man, let's talk about this year, man. There's a lot of controversy around the Oscars this year. Yep. Um, now, I have not seen Selma yet. Me okay. Um, and I, I do want to kind of see it, but I don't know, man. I think it was. Why uh, don't you want to see it? It's kind of like W. Kamau Bell said, where um, when black movies come out for black people, it becomes homework. (laughs) It's it's like, you need to see the black movie this year to know what happened so you can be upset with the Oscars or talk about it amongst your friends as opposed to just being like, oh, no, this movie's really good. So go see it, you know. Was it like here's what happened in the '60s that still happens to you now? Like, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> I, I I saw Selma on the way to Selma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Uh, it's like um. So after we go to the Black Lives Matter protest, let's go see Selma. And you're like, ah, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I might go see the Wedding Ringer. I need yeah, something light. I might eat Chinese. <laughs> now I've I've seen all the Best Picture nominees except I haven't seen American Sniper yet. Okay. Um, I see that this week, but I saw Selma, and so my thought, my thought about the controversy is this: I think that I, I truly believe this. 
I think that uh, David, I will probably get his name wrong, mm-hmm. which might be one of the reasons they didn't nominate him. Uh, <laughs> David Oyelowo? Um, yeah, I don't know how to. Close, pick. close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure, let's go with that. Um, I'll actually look it he, up while we're talking. So he's amazing in it, and he totally got snubbed. He that's got that's snubbed. what everybody's saying. Everybody's saying he did an excellent yeah, job. David Oyelowo. Okay. All right. David O. We, we call so, him David O around here. That's what we call him. So you can do it too. David O. David O. Okay. I like that. <laughs> so David, not to be confused with David O. Russell, but right. yeah. So David O. <laughs> let's just say the guy who played Martin Luther. Right. <laughs> no. But David O., uh, anytime he's not screen, you're wishing he was again. And mm. just through his performance, you can see like – the kind of charisma and energy that, you know, King must have had to convince these people. Like, cause when he speaks in the movie, you believe it. Like, you want to march. You're just like, yeah. Yeah. And I understand they actually had to change some of the words in the speeches because, um, they weren't given permission by the family of Martin Luther King. Um, could you tell that they were changing words or was it just kind of like still the same general message? Well, I'm white, so I don't remember exactly how that went. Well, did he say, uh, like, I have a vision that yeah. one day... Uh... Well, they didn't show the I have a dream, and maybe that's partially okay. why, but... Oh, I mean, it's, okay. Well, you know, they did the smart thing. It takes place over, like, a very limited amount of time. Mm. I think it was just so, focused on Selma, right? Exactly. Okay, exactly. yeah. So it's not like you don't see him in school, you don't see his dad. It's just that specific time and that march, which I think was a smart idea. Okay. Um, but now, so I think he deserved, I think he got snubbed. I don't truly believe that Ava DuVernay got snubbed. Okay. I think that the other movies were better made. Um, I think that the directing in Birdman and, and boyhood and grand Budapest, uh, you know, um, the other two, it just, there was, um, I, was American Sniper one of them? Um, no. let me see who I'll Oh, no, no. Oh, Imitation Game was, and yeah. then, um, Foxcatcher. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't seen Foxcatcher, but, but at least out of those four, I, I'd say it's about on par with Imitation Game. Mm-hmm. But Imitation Game is slightly better directed. It's just, you know, um, there, cause the problem is, with Selma, just I'm just looking at it as a film. Uh, there are moments in it that are breathtaking and amazing and beautiful, and you're blown away. They uh, they show the death of the four little girls, and it's like incredibly shot. The way they do it is like the most innovative like way you could do that scene, and it's phenomenal. Right. Uh, the marches when they show them on the bridge, unbelievable. Like those parts were probably some of the best directed scenes in movies I saw last year. But however, she makes a lot of bad, cliched, cheesy choices too. Mm-hmm. And that's where it hurts it overall for me, just as a, the way it's made. One of those reasons being Oprah's in it, because right. she has to be, right. and so she totally common. takes you out of the movie. Yeah, so is Common, the rapper, he's in it. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. Ty- I typically don't see any movies with him in it. Yeah. Was another reason I've kind of been yeah, avoiding. Somebody it. <laughs> was saying his hat was flawless. 
yeah um <laughs> now here's the here's the thing now of these other movies um because when you say there are some cliche choices and stuff would you say that about any of the other movies boyhood grand i say that about imitation game uh okay. especially i mean i think i think boyhood's gonna win and i think it probably should it, it yeah. is an achievement um I know people are like twelve years a white kid and all of that. Yeah, that's my man. My man Chris Lambert said twelve years a white boy, which is the funniest thing I've uh, I've ever heard because I had never heard anybody say that before him. But um, I do. Under, I mean, it kind of trivializes the difficulty of what was undertaken. You know. Well, that's the thing too. But does that then it's the thing like well, does that make it any less of a movie? Right. You know that yeah. it's about a white kid and. I believe that um, Linkletter's uh, daughter at least looks somewhat Hispanic, and she's the sister in Boyhood. Mm. So you got that, and and one of the uh, best director nominees is Mexican. Okay, in in Arito, So, well, for me personally, I feel like, uh, and I just think I might just be at my threshold. I'm just so tired of white people, Mike. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> Like, no, I understand. You know, I like I, I tried. I'm tired of us too. Yeah, you know, like um, I like I tried to watch um this show called Transparent, which won a Golden Globe for funniest show. Yes, yeah. or best best. Comedy. It's a really white show. I love it, but I yeah. complete. I I could see on that. Yeah, like it's so white, and the thing is, I didn't think it was that funny, but it did seem good. You know what I mean? Right. Yes, um, it did. I think uh, Girls was really funny um, when it first started. Um, I don't. I haven't watched it in like. I think I didn't even watch the finale of last season and I haven't watched this season. I think I'm just kind of tapped out. And I think a lot of people are kind of reaching that threshold. And I think people thought that last year with the Oscars um, and 12 years of slave, that there was going to be more like a, Oh, okay. We're going to, we've reached this. I don't know this, this, I don't want to say mountaintop now. It's just out of Selma, but you know, (laughs) we've reached this point where, we'll start to expect to see a little more diversity, at least in the nominations. And I think when you see the picture of just like, here are the nominees and it's so glaringly white, um, pretty much from top to bottom with like a, maybe a couple exceptions. I think that's where everybody just had this major like pushback. I'm not saying I have that pushback. Cause like I said, I haven't seen all these films and I don't feel True. comfortable judging movies. I didn't see. see. Right. Um, but I think that's where it's, it's like a general resentment or some shit where people are just like, I'm tired of this shit. No, I understand that. I'll, I'll say a few things. Uh, one transparent. I, I see what you're saying with it. Yeah. However, as a Jew, it is one of the most Jewish shows that's ever been on TV. Oh. And, there aren't that many shows that really capture the Jewish experience. Mm. And in terms of diversity, I thought it was unique in that way. I mean, in the way that you get a lot of slavery movies, right. we get a lot of Holocaust films. Right. Uh, That's true. And hey, we make all the fucking movies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, we you know, can, I will give you, we, I'll we give control you. the industry. And yet there's still like, I mean, there are, you know, Jewish actors and stuff, but like there's, there's moments in transparent where, uh, you know, the, one of the characters fights over, uh, wanting to have a bat mitzvah and even yeah. just hearing the word schmear. I mean, we've got, we've got curb your enthusiasm. We had Seinfeld, uh, you know, right. we got this. There, there aren't as many. Well, I would, you know, I mean, I'll even go further on transparent. I like that it's sexually diverse. Like pretty much e- every relationship is on the spectrum of something. You know what I mean? Where it's like, 
not every relationship is just a bunch of hetero people. I like, oh, yeah, and think of like the amount of like actual transgender people exactly. that are on the show. Like, exactly. uh, the, the, you know, the woman that he lives with and, and I feel like part of what happens too with the Oscars and this is kind of any of these shows, the global, global, the Golden Globes as well. They have politicized the award themselves. So, you you're gonna have people wanting to make political statements like hey we've never had a black female director nominated so people start looking at it at that angle even more so than just whether the film deserved to be whether it was better than the other five films or not correct it's almost like well isn't this making this statement more important than these other people's films uh you know however you feel about that no no i see that i i feel like, at least, like, with, you know, the 20 actors this year. Yeah. Like, you know, we we could say that they could be more diverse. Right. And we all do jump to David O. as the most obvious snub. Right. But then I would say this, and this is the systematic problem that there aren't as many good roles being given, but to the people that are complaining about the lack of diversity. Right. Like, what movies, you know, there, you, because people keep saying Selma, but you know, like last year, you know, Fruitvale Station, mm-hmm. That's you know, that was an outrage, but it was like a smaller outrage because they're like, well, we do have this slave movie. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> other people, of like, yeah, other people got nominated of color and different diversity. And I feel like it was almost like, um, when uh, was Alfonso Corion? I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, the yeah. guy who did Gravity when he won, it's almost like, okay, guys, can you really be pissed? That dude just broke ground for all Latino people yes, everywhere. Yes, he did. And I was happy Ooh. and excited. You know, <laughs> like that. Now let's be honest. Like, if anyone has been shrifted the most in the entertainment industry at the Oscars. It is Latinos. Right. Maybe. Maybe Asians. Yeah. Asians. Um, Asians, too, yeah. They're yeah. both on the poster of the wedding ringer. Yeah. Now, yeah I'm going <laughs> I say Native everyone Americans. everyone on the poster of the wedding ringer, except, <laughs> except Kevin Hart. But, just, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, Asians and, and Latinos, but you think, like, like, there's this movie Spare Parts that came out this right. week, and it's got George Lopez, and it's, you know, it's based on a true story, and it's about... Um, this uh like scientists right the these latino kids who go to like a robotics competition yes and they're like the first latino kids to do that in their district or ever or you know but now the thing is the movie looks awful right yeah and it got bad reviews so it's that thing of like am i if if it looked great Mm -hmm. i would want to see it am i racist for not mm. wanting to see this movie? Um, is there someone say, racist for not mm. giving it enough money or enough thought? I mean, they got to make the movie. Right. They got to distribute the movie. Maybe the movie is good, but the trailers look so cheesy and formulaic. Well, I think we have to accept that the default of America is always racist. So we got to accept that. Oh, which, you know, which is I think is a place, a starting ground. I don't say that to admonish America. I love this country, but... Mm-hmm. I think if we kind of default at, okay, it's kind of set up uh, against, uh, you know, the odds are not in your favor if you're not whatever. So 
latino people black people um asian people they're only going to get a certain yeah native americans they're only going to get a certain amount of vehicles per year so it's almost like when you do get one you you root for it harder and it becomes like more obvious because it's like well we know the other seven movies that were considered black films won't be getting awards yeah we know the best best man's holiday ain't gonna be getting right but this one this one has a shot so everybody starts rooting behind it Mm -hmm. you know and i wonder if it's uh, well i don't even wonder i bet it's similar for latinos i bet it's similar for uh native americans asian like pretty much everybody that's not white because like white people if if you categorize movies as white, then we would be like white people get say ninety percent of the movies every year, so they should get a lot of uh, recognition for awards. And you even look at you know the three big Mexican directors, you know Inarritu, Guillermo del Toro, and mm-hmm. and Cuaron, and it's like there is that sadness where you know they all started off as as far as I know, you know making movies in their native tongue, right. You know, in Mexico, making, you know, these movies, uh, and then, you know, they get noticed, and it's kind of that thing of, like, you know, Dominicans with baseball, where they find, like, the best ones, and they just take them out, and then they're just out (laughs) forever. Yeah, and we're kind of, it's funny, too, because just the way the award is set up is kind of xenophobic anyway, where it's like, foreign language film because none of you deserve to be recognized as real films i mean Aww. but in your own They'll do it every once in a while but it's yeah. very rare and the <laughs> shittier thing about the foreign language thing is that only uh one movie is allowed per country yeah oh yeah yeah so um, they the country has to decide you know what it what, whatever governing part of the country you know, so whatever film society or whatever decides what film to submit. So, for example, uh, Pedro Almodovar, who's uh, from Spain, talked to her was not the national selection mm-hmm. that year, but it still won for, I believe, uh, screenplay, and I think he was nominated for director. Wow. Now, don't and don't think that it didn't go unnoticed that you left Robert Rodriguez out. Okay, um, he did make Machete too. But he's American. <laughs> oh, he's oh, okay. Mexican American, but All I'm right. pretty sure he was born and raised in Texas. I could be wrong there, but well, no, nah, I go by um, I go by the South Carolina policeman test. No, yeah. okay. so that's how I determine race. So if anything, okay, no, he's definitely Latino though, yeah. for yeah. sure. <laughs> and even he, but the, the, see, he's a fascinating case because he's a guy who it's like he's made like genuinely great movies. But he also, it seems like he's kind of marginalized himself. Yeah, I don't think he, I think he likes that grindhouse shit. And he wants to keep making movies like that, which, I mean, <laughs> God bless him if you do, because I'm not going to lie, I really enjoyed the first Machete. I enjoyed the first one The lot. second one was terrible, because yeah. it's a very th- fine line between good and bad, like kind of satire with those I, movies yeah right yeah, i, I love desperado was, was great yes but then the sequels to desperado i hate it so mm-hmm. i mean well that's the thing too it's like you could have made one spy kids right. and one sin city and one machete right and one desperado yeah and then other new unique ideas yeah yeah <laughs> and been just fine in my book yeah. and, and baby, although i would take that disney money go ahead karen what are you gonna say oh what was that terrible movie we just saw Okay, all right. I guess we should talk about some movies we've been watching. Yes. 
the movie Karen's referring to is a movie that's getting pretty good reviews, but we both mm. hated it. Uh, it's a movie called Lock. Uh, that takes. Place. Oh, I've heard about this. Tom Hardy and he just drives around. Yeah, that's I, the most kind of shit. Ever. I kind of wish I knew he wasn't getting out that fucking car before I hit play on my damn DVD player because I wouldn't have hit play at all. That was the most boring. Like I, I was like, when are they gonna add like a car chase from Taken Two to spice this shit up? Because right, he was just driving on the, the on the on the speakerphone the whole fucking movie. It felt like I was in a car with some asshole who was, like, talking while I was trying to sleep. I, right. I'm not a fan. Me either. I sat there and was like, um, he not there yet? What, what the fuck is happening? Where is he yeah, going? They should change the title of that movie to Are We There Yet 3. Like, because <laughs> I just kept waiting for him to get where the fuck he was going. It, it was not good, man. And he never got to his destination. Yeah. That's the yeah. He didn't even- I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't know if that's a spoiler. Yeah. Just, I'm sorry. Here's a question I have with, with terms of diversity. Is there is there a difference between white movies and movies that just happen to have white people in them? Um yes. yes. I would say so. Mm-hmm. I think here's the thing. Um I think there's movies that have low stakes because they're white people problems. Um like I don't know if you've seen this movie Obvious Child. No, but I know of it. All right. Well, there's it's some really good performances in there. Um, and I know Jenny Slate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, she was good. You know what I mean? I was, it, it's kind of like dark comedy, but I was laughing because I like dark comedy. Um, but at the end of the day, the stakes were so small because everyone in the film that finds out, uh, oh, the film's about her getting pregnant on a one night stand and then deciding if she's going to have an abortion or not. So, uh, and then she decides to have an abortion. And literally every person in the film is like, cool, no problem. And to me, that's like a waste of an hour and 20 minutes. Like someone got to be the asshole, man. Like you can't do the movie without like the antagonist, the, the something that you have to get over the, the, the stakes. And the stakes just felt so small because it was like, oh, no, I got to talk to my mom about this. And then her mom's like. Oh yeah, I had an abortion in college, so what do you need? Like five hundred dollars? Don't worry about it, it's cool. Oh, I gotta talk to the guy who got me pregnant. He might not be cool with this. And then he like sees her doing jokes about it on stage and uh he walks out of the the, the you know, walks out of the club and you're like, Oh, so he's gonna be the guy who's like, Fuck that, I can't believe you would get an abortion without talking to me. But then he shows up with flowers the next day, like, Yeah, let's do it, you know. Yeah, I just yeah. wanna support you. Yeah. And be a good good person. Yeah, cause I, and I think my thing with movies is that if it's a compelling, excellent movie, the person doesn't matter. Right. You know, so to see people go through struggles and trials and tribulations, fall in love, that's beautiful. Like, I don't mm. care who performs the part. Right. To me is when you get to certain things where you like, okay, this could only happen if you were white. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, I just mean the stakes. Like, like lock the the stakes in that movie are so low like it's just like even it doesn't really even matter if he gets there or not to be to be honest to that to that plot it doesn't really matter so i just watch him go through a day in the office and and with his family and of course it's a traumatic day but it's it's just him in a car like i needed like i think when when i see stuff like that when i see stuff like that the default in my mind is well, why can't you just make this with a different like person or a different type of person to maybe add something to it? Like Locke would have been better if it was like Will Smith driving the car and then he got pulled over by the cops halfway through. I'd be like, see, that's how it is. 
like <laughs> i feel like he's gonna be late <laughs> like i would i don't know like some i just need something more than just like oh white people go through something mundane that's all um but uh that's that's how i categorize white movies like i wouldn't call what do you say that like women but women are also marginalized yes yes they are absolutely yes they are so to have a movie that focuses on a woman who is going through this abortion thing and i mean i mean i'm sure there's other you know abortion stories to be told but to me based on the way you're describing that movie i'm like oh that actually seems different than what it normally is yeah, it it is different. I mean, you know, we just had Juno, which won awards, um, based on yeah. kind of a similar plot, but, um, I, like, it is different, and I, and I'm not knocking it for not being different. I just think the stakes need to be higher if, to keep, to, to earn that, like, praise from me, this, like, the story gotta be a little bit more something. You know what I mean? It felt like nothing happened the whole movie, so. I um, see that. I, I mean, Let's see, like, that's the thing that people complain about boyhood. Mm. Um, that it is like, you know, just nothing happens. And then, like, I, I listened to an interview today with the director, and his whole thing was like, you know, if you looked back at your life, would you say nothing happened? Mm. No, things happened. They just weren't, you know, these big things. He's like, but they have, that's every other movie. Right. You know? Well, we'll and boyhood see. is boyhood is interesting to me because you know the way that they did it where it is over 12 years and everything mm-hmm. like you see just like a picture of bush in the background and right. you know someone on myspace and you know and this was all in real time and it and it makes you think of the way that the world has changed and how much that stuff was in our life and then it's just not anymore and we won't even know the stuff that's going to be in our life next well, I feel like it with boyhood, the task seems to be the stakes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, on a uh, meta level, like, what he undertook to get that film done, 12 years of filming the same people, like, anything could have happened. Like, one of them could have died. Uh, fucking, you know, like, six years in, the kid goes, I don't want to fucking do this movie anymore. Like, I think people to a certain extent like the stakes even with the without being in the movie are kind of like gonna always be present because we know you know as human beings a lot can happen in 12 years oh yeah so i I mean that's at least that's how i would understand people maybe like giving it a pass on like okay a lot didn't seem to happen in the narrative but fuck man that's hard to do what he just did you kind of got to give them credit and you know, for me personally, I gotta take a little bit away from it because they basically stole from one of my favorite films, Boys in the Hood, and they just took the in the out. And I don't feel like you can take the Z and the in the out and just make <laughs> another movie and take credit for all that shit, man. Um, I, did y'all know that the head of the Oscars, the president, is uh, a black woman? No. Yeah, she is now. And she, because I know that. Al Sharpton wanted to get like a diversity task force together. Yeah, Dude, he he's awful. No, uh, no, no, no. I no. Per, I love Al Sharpton, and I gotta fight. I gotta fight all the white people on this, man. Al Sharpton sucks to you because the only time you hear about him is when white people fuck up. It's like you know, uh, 
that thing uh pavlov is pavlovian like yeah every time a white person hears al sharpton like oh god damn it because 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 he never he's, he's never gonna bad sh- signal yeah he, he, he never shows up and is like you know what white people did okay this week um no, I but, just, what I, but, but here's the thing like the yeah. whole diversity task force thing that annoys me is that it's never like don't say the word diversity it's like because like in 2006 i think it was a year where there were at least five or six black nominees yeah. but once again no latino or asian mm-hmm. and he's never he, he didn't call the task force then right. you know what i mean like right. Right. yeah i feel you yes no i can understand that but you know he can't say also, I'm- the amount of money that he's made off of the strife and fighting of others like i'm sure he's done some good but he uh, he's done a lot out. he's done a lot more good than bad and then also somebody got to do it you know what i mean it's just yeah it's just it, like that's the thing is like when trayvon martin when that happened his parents couldn't get the media to cover they couldn't get anyone to uh the police to even arrest george zimmerman and it took them calling out sharpton and being like can you come down here but then it's always treated as, oh, why is Al Sharpton got to go down there? It's like, well, do you think we're like happy? Like, yes, Al Sharpton, he's finally here. We're yeah. like, we're like, fuck, no one's going to talk about this. No one really call Al Sharpton. And then that's how it gets talked about. Yeah. So now I, they kicked know. out Jesse Jackson, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he got, he kicked, got out. kicked out the crew. Yeah. Now, did they kick out Sharpton? No, not yet. I mean, not okay. yet. he's done a lot of good, man. Yeah. I, I think. I think Did they kick out Jesse because he was asking for money? Is that what happened? In yeah, Ferguson? he well, he went to Ferguson. Yeah, he started talking about raising money for his own thing, and people were like, "The Boo. fuck is this?" Get yeah, off the stage. that's kind of like a great moment where they just threw him out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like that's the thing, though. Like black people, we can police our own shit when it comes to stuff like that. Like yeah. I, I just feel like in general, like I feel like white people's disdain of Al Sharpton and, and Jesse Jackson is completely different from black people's disdain of them. Yeah. And I always feel like I have to say something because it is different. Like, they, like they're not causing any problems. The problems exist. And then they show up to be like, how do we get attention to these problems? I just think white people are tired of them. But trust me, if it was some other dude, y'all would be tired of that motherfucker too, man. Yeah. A lot of racist yeah. shit happen all the time. And it's always going to be somebody like, Hey, some racist shit is happening. Nobody wants to hear that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they, they do have a black head of the, um, of the Oscar, of the Academy. And she said that, um, they want to start a diversity initiative sooner rather than later because of this. Um, so she's, cause I guess the voting, um, like whatever the average age of the voters are 73. And then it's, uh, 90- it's mostly white men, old white men. No, it's shitty. Yeah, yeah. that's a problem. Um, yeah. But like I said, that 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 that's definitely a problem. But the main problem is also the movies being made. Like, right. I agree. Like, and the way they're advertised. Like, yeah, it sucks that if a movie has an all black cast, right? You know, it's like, you know, one of the big problems is. And I don't know whose decision this is, right. but you often won't see the trailer of a movie of an all-black cast mm-hmm. during, you know, a predominantly white movie. Right. Yeah. All the time it happens. Yeah. I, another thing I noticed, too, is, um, uh, like, during that Sony hack, which, you know, kind of sucks that they got hacked, obviously, people's personal information and 
stuff goes out there but you do get an insight into some of the decision making that you normally don't get to see Correct. as a movie fan right and when you hear them say stuff like we got to stop giving denzel washington films because it won't do well overseas uh because he's black um you know it makes you just wonder like so then what hope does anyone have because denzel washington's one of the best actors of all time and definitely one of the most famous um actors of all time i wish he showed more range but yeah i I do too i think there's better black actors than him i I, I do i I do think there he's often one note he he he's been in some great movies and he's been great in great movies but but you know he's done a comedy since carbon copy right uh I feel like if you walked into someone's house though and said Denzel, you don't even have to say his last name. No, of course. So, so of like no. for for that guy to be like, yeah, um, that dude's not moving enough money for us, so let's not give him movies. To me, I'm like, so then who? You know, who could you possibly put an advertising budget behind? You know, not to mention it's kind of self self defeating. Like when you say we're not going to advertise a movie and then go. Well, it didn't do well. I'm like, well, you didn't put no money yeah, behind it either. No shit, it's not gonna do well. I, well. Think, I think it goes, you know, like it's tough because, like, when you say who, I'd say Will Smith, mm-hmm. and then I think like he's kind of done the know, same thing as Denzel, in my opinion. He doesn't have that much range. Um, he's done comedies and he's done dramas and I mean action movies and you know he. I feel like you know, he could he could have more variety too. I, I would say yeah. Denzel's a better actor. But I think, you know, for a time, Will Smith, if he wasn't the top box office draw, he was fucking close. Yeah. Um, I mean, the all time, you know, you know, I mean, it's on a technicality, but it's Samuel L. Jackson. Right. Mm-hmm. Just right. based on the amount of movies he's been in, he's the highest grossing yeah. actor. Yeah. But you, you but, got three Star Wars movies, The Incredibles, you know, all these movies, even if he's, you know, he's in Jurassic Park. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but, but could um, you see could you see them giving him uh you know, but I couldn't see them giving like Sam Jackson the movies that Denzel even gets. You know? No, but I do think like there is progress in that he's like the I mean I know it's the villain but he's right. you know in this, you know, spy movie The Kingsman which looks yeah. very British and is probably British made and you don't think twice about it and in fact. Oh yeah, no, he's I will highlighted I, in the trailer and you want to see it because of him. Oh yeah! I, first of all, I agree that there's progress. Uh, two, I definitely want to see that movie. It's not even because of him. Like that's just that movie just looks cool to me. Uh, like honestly, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. But my thing is more like. Um, but Smith, what I was saying about Smith yeah. is that like, I think like with Smith, like he was making great movies and they were making a lot of money. Right. But then he started to make shitty movies, mm-hmm. and and I don't know if. You could say, like, the lack of faith that they would have in someone like him is because of race, and it might be because Men in Black 3 was god-awful. First of all, I like Men in Black 3, so... um, Oh, it's horrible. Well, see, I have have an affinity for all black fatherhood moments in movies. Um, (laughs) And Men in Black 3, a a very shitty movie, but the um the very end with the black fatherhood moment where his dad was the one who just like gave up his life so he could go on to be you know uh agent k or whatever uh i'm not gonna lie man i cried in theater that day and uh tommy lee is k yeah i meant jay my bad um yeah i cried in that in that movie um also um 
Yeah, matter of fact, I gotta go back. No, nah, that movie's good. Um, also, um, Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones, um, the impression that Josh Berlin did of him was good to me. Uh, it felt like he was him. Um, so, uh, but the movie overall is really bad. I mean, they, they, was it, was it Helen Mirren who's in it? When, um, um my man Jermaine, um, Clement from, uh, from a flight of concord is is a bad guy and he's not given anything his villain sucks he Uh literally just shoots those things out and that's it um Mm. but helen mirren's in it and there's this like moment where she does like this or is it it might be emma thompson emma thompson yeah that's it i'm i'm racist towards british white White women women. it's cool um I, th- I think they all look the same. Uh, no. <laughs> but, but she she does this moment where she like sings this alien song. Yeah. And it bombs so, so hard. Bad. Such a bad so... moment. Oh god. Yeah. And there's a lot of scenes like that in the movie. I heard like during that movie they were writing it as they were shooting it. They didn't even they started making it without a finished script and it mm. shows. Oh. Well, Will got pulled over by them cops and that was good. Um and uh yeah I I don't know man we just gotta disagree on this one got a six point nine on IMDb so I feel like closer was, to good than bad yeah it wasn't great and uh, I gotta add that extra two points for Black Fatherhood moments man um also, <laughs> also, no, that that that's that's counting the uh, extra two points <laughs> uh by the way I also did the same thing for After Earth so if if you want to disregard my opinion please feel free to because I also. <laughs> fuck with that movie because it's about black fatherhood um, and there's another one where but 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 it was a huge financial loss yeah, and and yeah. i think that was him you know with his scientology beliefs and the yeah. amount of money he put in it and the i mean that's that thing or it's like you okay like let's look at like m night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. you know he started out you know I know he made something before Sixth Sense, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, Sixth Sense was, like, his first movie, right? I, I enjoyed that and, a lot. You know, it's the one where everyone's like, oh, my God. And, you know, and it was huge. It was a genre movie, but it got nominated and all this stuff. And the movie started to suck. Yeah. And he kind of got marginalized and pushed aside in Hollywood. And that's that's where I... I mean, I definitely think there's racism. Right. I mean, because once again, Indians horribly underrepresented in Hollywood. Right. Correct. Uh, I mean, Slu- and Slumdog, you know, Slumdog's a movie made by a British white guy mm. about squalor in India. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Mm, me either. Well, what, you know, the, the, other thing, white guy? the other thing, <laughs> no, I didn't know it was made by, uh, I thought it was made by an Indian dude. I had no idea. Um, oh, no, it's made by Danny Boyle, who did 28 Days Later in Trainspotting. Wow. Yeah. I like 28 Days Later. And the thing is, um, like with movies like that, um, I like, I enjoy having like diversity and diverse like cultures and stuff like looking at it because I just like that the story's not the same as everybody else. But anytime you're looking at racism as a structural thing, you're not going to be able to prove it pretty much on an individual example because I feel like you can make, you can kind of deny every individual thing, right? Like, it's just the collection of like, okay, oh, definitely. you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we've come up with 17 different films that like 17 different films that we have a reason they didn't make it. But it is like, well, the odds of none of these films getting critical, uh, getting that, that award is kind of the problem for most people. What I'm, what I'm saying is like, cause you look at like Shyamalan and, and his fall from grace. Right. If anything, 
was because of the fact that the movie started to suck. You know, and, yeah, I and agree. contrary to that, Justin Lin, who started, you know, his first movie, uh, Better Luck Tomorrow, was about, you know, Asians and, uh, you know, and they, they, uh, start, you know, to do crime and stuff. Right. And, you know, he wrote, directed, made that himself, got noticed. He got on to do Fast Three. Then he got through more fast movies, and now he's getting Star Wars. Right. Because the movies made money, got yeah. bigger and made more money. And I mean, capital, capital, system. capitalism does trump all. Um, yeah. I think I think the thing with the Oscars and these type of awards is just over the over our lifetimes, it's just become so political. Like they want the award to be political. So then they can't recoil from the backlash when people go, Hey, why didn't you make this statement? You know, like they're, like they're gonna, cause I would make the argument that it's not just about whether a film is good anymore. It's also about what the statement is at the Oscars. So it's not even like, well, we nominated these cause they're the 10 best. It's just, we also sometimes just want to make a statement. We want, Hey, we want a gay director to get this. We want, uh, we want a black oh, yeah. director to get this. We want uh, a Latino director to get this. And I feel like uh, people feel let down that they didn't want to make that statement this year. Yeah, to me, I think but the more important thing is what happens afterwards. I right. mean, because the whole point of the Oscars is to make money for these movies, you know, for the studios to be able to sell a certain type of movie. I mean, you know, it's show business. It's all about money at right. the end of the day. Like, it was fascinating to me, I think about this with, like, Ava DuVernay, um, her, you know, her first movie, or not, I don't know, first movie, but the movie before this was called Middle of Nowhere. Yeah. And it made $300,000 and released in 16 theaters with an all-black cast featuring David O. Yeah. And, I mean, that's sad that, you know, it was marginalized. People probably, you know, studios looked at it, oh, a black movie. Yeah. And then she makes this and everyone's like, who is she? You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and then I wonder, you know, to me, what's fascinating is, so, you know, what does she do next? I hope, hopefully, hopefully Mike, she directs black Panther. Hopefully. Uh, cause I would love to have a director who was like, uh, cause you know, there was a huge controversy over the way she treated, Linda B. Johnson from, uh, you know, Linda B. Johnson's, um, you know, uh, LBJ, yeah. Yeah, it's fan club. You know, I, first of all, I was like, LBJ, what is LeBron James doing in this movie? That does, <laughs> no wrong person. That doesn't really make sense, but they said, no, it's Linda B. Johnson, apparently, some dude. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it was kind of like, uh, I, like, she defended her decision to be like, no, it's not a movie about him. And I think historically I was, you know, fair to him. And I was like, man, I'd love a person like that to direct the Black Panther movie because I need my Black Panther to be a little bit like fuck white people. Just a little bit of, mm. you know, because that's what makes that character badass. And for for me and so many black kids that looked up right. to, to T'Challa as a kid, it's right. like he's a dude that was completely able to function on his own. But, you know, for the greater good and after much pride and pulling, he would go help the Avengers out and I need somebody like that. So maybe she can do something like that. And most people consider the best, uh, black Panther stories to be written by a black guy, uh, you know, Christopher priest. Yep. Mm. Yep. So I'm, I'm excited for that, man. Um, I did have one more question. But I I didn't want to say with Ava, 
So to me, like when I think about the system of Hollywood, so like after this, you know, she she's going to have more clout and more notice to make the next movie. Right. And she, uh, and I think more freedom. Now, if she makes a movie with an all-black cast, like, that's really telling. We'll see if Hollywood will then just treat it as, oh, here's another all-black movie. Let's put it in February. Let's just, you know, not put it in trailers for most white movies. Right. Let's marginalize this. Let's make this, you know, as uh, unseen as possible. Yeah. Or if they'll give it as much attention. Like, that, because that, that to me, like, what's fascinating when I think about um, films and, you know, how they reflect on society and race, you look at, like, the late 80s and early 90s when we had, you know, Bush Sr. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the start of Clinton, you had these, like, really powerful movies being made about modern times by black directors, you know, right. you had boyhoods, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, do the right thing. And right. then, and then now that we have a black president, we've gotten the help and right. we've gotten blindside and we've gotten 42 yeah. and we've gotten Selma. And it seems like we've kind of gone backwards. Right. Yeah. We have to look to the past or whatever. Um, well, we did get Fruitvale station, but, um, again, black tragedy movie. Um, but, uh, I do, I think we'll really have like true equality in Hollywood. Um, when the stories, like you said earlier, the stories that we call like quote unquote white, you know, the like low stakes, not much going on when those stories get diversified, you know, because like I said, I, to me, um, I think it, it, it's kind of like when you, I think you said earlier, uh, suspension of disbelief, you said earlier. I have like a suspension of racial diversity. So like if something's good enough, I don't really give a fuck. Me either. You know what I mean? Like if the movie knocks my socks off, man, listen, I don't give a fuck. I don't even know. Don't care that what was, gender you are. If yeah. it's great, it's great. There was like one black dude in Interstellar, but I love Interstellar, you know? Um, and that was David O. Yeah. Yeah. He was good in there. Um, but, but I said, I said, you know, we, we get closer to MLK's dream every time we watch. <laughs> After Earth, and we judge Jaden Smith not by the color of his skin, but by the content of his awfulness. By the lack, by the lack of content in his lines. Right. Um, but yeah, man. So I, I feel like once we get to like that kind of level, where it's just like, look, man, this movie's not gonna hurt anybody if if we put like three or four people of different races, and genders, and all that shit in here. I feel like that's when we'll be like, all right, cool, you know. But We'll see what happens after this. I, I feel like the Oscars is gonna probably try to come back hard next year and be like all black everything or something because they they seem scolded at this point. You know, everyone's and going if, in on them. And if uh, and if you know Idris Elba becomes the next James Bond, and I hope he does, yeah, the first too. thing I'll ask is who's the villain and who's doing the song because <laughs> that's what I've done for the other twenty three James Bond movies. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But that's who's what it's score. Yeah, that's what it kind of takes, though. Is, uh, you know, that's real. To me, that's real equality is, oh, Idris is James Bond. That makes sense. Now, why is the movie going to suck this time? You know, like, <laughs> like that seems more like fairness, in my opinion. And to me, it's about like, I, I try to judge things on a, 
a case by case basis. He was great as Heimdall and Thor. Yeah. But the guy who played Hogan the Grim, the the Asian guy was terrible. <laughs> yeah. And uh Idris was terrible in um Ghost Rider though. That that movie was horrible. The yeah. the Nick Cage but, yeah. but it was progress because he was as equally bad yeah. as everything else in it. <laughs> yes, yeah. he was. Oh my god, that movie sucks so bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was awesome, but yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. And did you see um by any chance the Scarlett Johansson movie uh, Under the Skin? I, I did not. Um, okay, good, good. But, but it's also, you know, people forget Blade was the movie that yes. made all of this possible. True. <laughs> Speak that truth, Mike. Nah, it, it really is. You no, know, I'm with because you. Because if you look at the 90s in, in comic book movies, they literally, this shows how old studio heads are. They did the Phantom and the Shadow and the Rocketeer because yep. that's what those guys probably grew up reading. Yep. And then, you know, they made this movie Blade. Yep. It was an obscure character that not a lot of people knew about. Rated I mean, we, we had a Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie in like 89 or 90. Yep. And that was your Marvel shit back then. You know, a TV uh, Captain America with J.D. Salinger's son and... <laughs> just yep. the worst garbage the 80s you know hulk and all that we and had then TV, blade we had blade TV. made people realize how much money all this stuff could make and mm-hmm. i don't and i don't think it gets enough credit i don't think you know snipes gets enough credit but because right. they saw that and they're like oh we could make this off a guy nobody knows, exactly. and everybody knows the X Men, and everybody knows Spider Man. Dude, I've seen that Blade and Blade Two movie so many times. I, I love that, and um, like Wesley Snipes was so good. He was like the perfect casting for it. Yes. Um, and then like obviously they had to send him to jail because you know he's still a black man. He had to struggle, but no, uh, you know, pay your taxes. They set him up not to pay his taxes. You know how it is, Karen. Um, you never pay people without the taxes taking out the check first. Why would you just give them a whole check? But he was, uh, <laughs> but no, nah, he was so good. And I do think that movie doesn't get the credit it deserves for starting the whole comic book revolution because th- those movies also proved that a rated R movie. Right. Could make, could yeah. make money because it was true to the comic. Like that was what was more important than, you know, just whether or not it was PG 13, mm. like everything is now. And, Oh, it has to get be this runtime and it has to have this level of actor in it. It was just like, no, let's make a movie that feels like that comic book feels. And I think that's why it was successful. And I think that's why it makes money. And, I, and hopefully, you know, we'll continue to get that, that lesson with comic book movies going forward, man. Well, yeah. And I think like one of the most, you know, like important scenes in a comic book movie is the opening scene of that movie. Yes. When they go into the rave club and they have the showers of blood Blood. because it was a new idea it was fresh it was exciting and you're like i want to see this and it's awesome and it is fascinating because you know the studios because spawn came out the year before yep now spawn's not a good movie it's terrible and you know there were there were probably studio heads that were afraid of that there were probably guys well look movie you know black superhero movies ain't gonna fucking sell we already went through meteor man now we've got this and then someone probably showed that scene with the 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 fucking showers of blood like no this is good trust us this will work 
people right. will like this. We can make this happen. Right. Uh, this dude already looks like a badass. You don't even have to know anything about the comic books. Um, which no, no, and it's a simple concept. And I don't even know how much, like, and I haven't read a lot of Blade comics, but yeah. so much of it was for just that movie. And it immediately brought you into that world without the continuity. Mm-hmm. And which is I mean, what I you like. look at in the comics, you know, Nick Fury was white for years. Mm-hmm. They started to draw him like Samuel L. Jackson right. in the Ultimate Comics, and then it just is Samuel L. Jackson now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, it works, it and it's works. fine, and no one, no one can cares, no one complains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Tony Stark uh, casting with Robert Downey Jr. just like kind of a stroke of genius worked yeah. out. You know, little stuff like that, man, like. You can, I mean, they basically centered the whole Avengers franchise off of that. Yeah, but I'm also more excited to see Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin than I was Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah. Just because yeah. he wasn't good in that movie. No, Dude, he was not. Not only that, but like, um, I picture Kingpin as like big, strong, and kind of fat. And Michael Clark Duncan is just like a big ass, strong dude, but he didn't even grow a gut. Like, he didn't commit to that part at all, man. Like it was like, it, and then on top of that, he was black. So then it was just like, this ain't the kingpin. Like, and then that movie sucked. It's a lot of nerds. Nerds are always the most progressive. Like it's so funny. Like when X Men came out, like I, people I know that have probably never seen a movie with Angela Bassett were like. Man, she should have been Storm. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Why couldn't she have been Storm? Not this shit. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Holly Berry was terrible. Holly Berry was terrible. Yeah, Roger read this time. Two people ain't coming back, and he read the names. I was like, so that means she can come back? No. Oh, yeah. Karen's talking about the newest uh, sequel, the X-Men Apocalypse. They said, oh, she's so bad. Yeah, they said two actors aren't coming back from uh, Days of Future Past. And uh, the two actors were um, uh, Sir Patrick uh, um, Stewart Stewart and uh, Sir Ian McKellen. So it was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Like, like, uh, don't you mean uh, Holly Berry and uh, maybe the guy who plays Cyclops or something? Like, come on. Yeah. (laughs) She's so, and that's the thing where it's like, you could have, man, fucking put Esopatha Murkison in that fucking suit. God damn it. Anybody, it like honestly. Give me anybody. CCH Pounder. Have I would have taken Storm. It. I don't care. I would put Ruby D in the fucking costume. <laughs> <laughs> but put, anybody but her ass. Yeah, put yeah. Kevin Hart in the costume. Yeah, then like, have, have it have it be Ruby D and then Ozzy Davis as Bishop, <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> be uh, awesome. <laughs> well, um, Mike, I don't know if you got a, a role yet, man. Um, but I was gonna ask, are you enjoying any of these TV shows uh, that are out with the nerd stuff? I know, I think you gave up on Agents of Shield, right? Oh yeah, yeah, because that that had a very slow start. It picked back up, and now it's really good. But it it was a long haul for people. Yes, it was. Um, I and, enjoy it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, what about Flash? Because you don't watch Arrow. That's right? the one. That's the Flash okay. is the one I love. Okay. Yeah, I like I love Flash too. I'm so pumped for the uh the the new episode tomorrow. Cuz the thing is like Agents of Shield like just needs to admit it can't afford to tell the story that it's trying to tell cuz mm. it looks cheap, it feels cheap, it's poorly acted. I even I know it got better. I mm. watched the first two episodes of season 2 uh mm. cuz Absorbing Man's one of my favorite villains. 
and he was just so bland and uninteresting and mm. barely said anything. And in the comics, he's just like a dumb thug yeah. with like prison pants and a ball and chain. He's like, I'm going to murder Elijah Crumbums. <laughs> That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. And he's just like a hot Canadian model who every time he makes a face, you can imagine it's the headshot that got him the part. <laughs> and it doesn't say anything and is boring. He does his powers, but barely, because they can't afford to show them in full effect. And uh, he gets, like, a ball and chain at one point, but it's this, like, tiny little ball and chain. Yeah. And I literally was like, fuck this shit. And then I put on Flash, and Captain Cold's name is Leonard Snart. Yeah. He's got the parka. He's got the goggles. And he's the got gun. the gun. Yeah. And he's fighting the Flash. That's That's all we want. Yeah, it's not much. <laughs> yeah, it like it, it, I think uh, after years of listening to you, uh, I kind of understand like where you're coming from um, with a lot of stuff. You really do love the characters they were, the way they were written in the books, and you and like as when we were kids, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, well, I just when, like the simplicity. I think yeah. that I think they always overthink these things, right? You know, it's that thing they project onto what they think people want, which, I mean, that's their job. They have to, you know, predict trends. You know, they're selling a product. But it's like, you know, you know, there was a guy for years who said, oh, people will never accept a, a talking raccoon. And he won for right, years. Yeah. Had me almost and, crying. Yeah. And either he died or finally shut up. <laughs> and was proven wrong. <laughs> and you love, and the thing is, like, uh, you probably love uh, Batman: The Brave and the Bold, right? Oh, absolutely! It's one of the best. Yeah, like that's the see. That's the I think that is the difference. Is like, uh, but I also I, love the animated series. Oh yeah, yeah. But um, when I look at that, I'm like, oh man, that's kind of uh, like corny from you know, like kind of a I don't know what I don't know if that's the best word, but you know, like it it just kind of hits that. And I'm not saying corny in a bad way, but like it hits that 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 itch for like, yeah. Oh, yeah. What if it's like nostalgic? Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes, like what is. what would Batman and and Red Tornado do on a mission together? Let's and they go to space and then they you know like let's just fucking do it. And there's like it's almost like when you're playing with your toys when you're a kid, like in, what you make up in your mind. But then there's also become um, this super realistic, dumbed down kind of uh, success. For a lot of characters, especially since uh, Christopher Nolan did Batman, and I can, and I think you don't like that as much. Well, I'll say I'll say this. I'll, I'll say two things. One about Brave and the Bold. The reason that Brave and the Bold, and, 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 and to a larger extent before that, you know, Batman the animated series and uh, JLU and Superman and, and all that Bruce Tim stuff. The reason it works, and most of the other stuff doesn't. Uh, most of the other cartoons and TV shows don't is because they took everything and they simplified it. And every single character on those shows, excuse me, can be explained in a sentence. And it's a, a compelling sentence. It's an interesting sentence because there've been cookie cutter cartoon shows for years. Like, and the best example of why Brave and the Bold works um, and, and I wish that like the people that make the movies even took notes mm -hmm. is look at Aquaman on that show. Aquaman has been around since 1940 
He's a punchline. He's never worked. He's never been fun. He sucks in the books. He sucked on TV. He was lame in the Super Friends. And they got him right because they took something that was always inherent in Aquaman but was never exploited, which is that he's a king. And he's like, you know, they basically made him King Arthur. He's this noble you know, jousting, kind of a braggy jerk. Yeah. But it's the best portrayal of Aquaman that you've ever seen in, you know, the 70-plus years of him being a character. Right, yeah. Yeah, he's fun, too. Like, when that character shows up in Batman the Brave and the Boat, I'm always like, oh, yes, an Aquaman episode, let's go, you know? Yeah, (laughs) and as weird as as Batman is on the show, they realize what works about him – like, for example, in the Music Meister episode, every other character sings, but, but Batman, Batman never yeah. does. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Um, yeah, or there's another episode um, where in, in JLU, this little piggy where Batman sings, but nobody else does. Right. He should always be doing something different than everyone else, and mm. that's what makes him Batman. And that's just a simple thing. And then the other thing I'd say is that when we look back on these Nolan movies mm-hmm. 20 years from now and a lot of the superhero movies of now and like a few years past, we'll look at them the same way that people looked at the 1960s Adam West Batman mm-hmm. and the same way that people look at the 1989 Batman. Yeah. They're not timeless. They're very much of their time. And when you put them all together, it tells a narrative of how things have changed. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and actually, uh, the way that I'm able to handle, um, uh, like the way that I end up liking most of these things, like I, I loved Adam West's Batman. I loved all the Justice League, the Batman cartoon, Batman Brave and the Bold. Um, and I love Christopher Nolan's Batman. I think the way I'm able to handle it is I look at it like when different artists write graphic novels about their take on Batman. And it's just like, well, this is the things that this artist has chosen to highlight about this character. But it doesn't define the character by itself. So I would never go, oh, the definitive take on Batman is only this. So I'm able to kind of be like, all right, I like this, and I like this as well, you know? Oh, yeah. No. Um, all right, Mike, man, we're about to get into some racism and talk about all this other stuff going on in the world. Uh, we're going to uh, play some games and stuff. Uh, I know you got to go, man, but you stayed even longer than I thought you would, yes, man. thank you, sweetie. Yeah, we appreciate you, man. We do. Uh, of course. That was really great. Uh, fun talking to you guys. Yeah, yes, man. Y'all Everybody, check him out. Listen to Nerd of Mouth. Um, if you're a nerd like me, you'll enjoy it. Um, and laugh, yes. Yeah, uh, the, the whole crew is funny. Yes, and, they are. Yeah, and, it, and if you don't, you turn this podcast off 10 minutes ago when we started <laughs> talking about Braving the Bolt. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And you got... You, you uh, just looked at your computer and said man when is the racism talk and games gonna start <laughs> right. uh, and and man you guys are you guys are so fucking funny yes and, y'all uh, are like the way you guys riff off of each other man um i save your show for um saturday afternoons after we record our feedback show but we go out to eat and i normally play it in the car with karen mm-hmm. and we'll just like uh, sweet. listen to you guys man because you guys are so funny yes, um, are. the episode where y'all talked about musicals and then you like all like riffed with these like 
mashups of musical and comic book characters <laughs> that that's some of the most brilliant podcasts i've ever heard in my life man and uh, uh thanks man yeah if you could tell um marcus and jake the same thing man i like th- those guys are brilliant man yes they are um all right. right and we keep doing new ones and we we try to do you know different types of things i mean like my thought on our podcast is always there are a million nerd podcasts out there but we want to be the one that actually makes you feel like a nerd for listening to it. Because you know? we don't – I mean, there are nerd podcasts that have money. They they see every movie. They go read every comic book. We're not that. So we love – like my favorite episodes are the ones about being a theater nerd yeah. or the ones about, for instance – um you know, we had like a historical reenactor on. Yes. Um, tomorrow we're recording one uh, about uh, my obsession with pop music. Yeah. And like how <laughs> beautiful pop music is. I saw Sam Smith last week and it was amazing. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you that's a that? part of me that nobody ever uh, expects, but they're always surprised by. Are you into uh, the Taylor Swift album then? Cause... Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, blank Space. Yeah, she killed it, man. I I, I like, can't I can't hear that song without going. I love this song. <laughs> <laughs> I could be a nightmare dressed like a daydream. It's the, oh, she killed it because of Max Martin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you also uh, like know about like food stuff. Like you, I've heard you uh, on Keeping It Girl, mm-hmm. where you riffed about the uh, food shows and stuff. And you know, like the oh, yeah. chefs. Like you know a lot of shit, man. Like. <laughs> I don't know where you get it from, man, but like you. Loneliness. <laughs> I didn't have friends. <laughs> and I just like to learn stuff. I like, I like to you know, challenge myself and, you know, experience different things. Um, like it was funny. I was doing a show on Friday and I was talking to these two, uh, this, this older black comic. And when I told him that I did Uptown Comedy Club in Atlanta one night, he's like, you did that? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, you? I was like, yeah. He's like, how'd it go? I was like, it was fine. One guy booed. <laughs> are you, um, are, and now if people want to see you, uh, do you have any shows where people could, like, might want to track you down yeah. in yeah. the future? Yeah. Um, I, uh, you can find on my website, MikeLawrenceComedy.com. Um, some of the shows I have coming up, uh, if you're in the Connecticut area, uh, you probably, uh, Voted for the Oscars. Uh, no. <laughs> no, but uh, I'll be opening for John Oliver on um, Saturday, so that'd be cool at the uh, Foxwoods Casino. Cool. And then um, I have a few dates coming up with uh, Chris Hardwick. Sweet man, yeah. My, our, our friend Chris Lambert, he uh, worked yeah. with Chris Hardwick too, man. Yes. Yeah, me and me and Chris worked with him together in uh, New York. Oh, that's yeah, dope. I love, man. I love Chris, Chris uh, Lambert. Is awesome. I did his podcast. Yep, yes. yeah, I heard that yes. episode, man. I'm on these podcasts, man. Well, all right, we're going to let you go, man. Thank Great. you so Thank much, Mike. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Peace. Peace. <sighs> that was fun. I love that dude, man. Yeah, they, they got everything. Uh, Worked uh, out in the chat. Yeah, yeah, the dude from Spreecast popped in and was like, hey, we're going to try to fix this. So they've been seeing this for a while, but at first I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, hopefully I didn't uh, nerd out too hard for everybody. Um Let's get into our game segments and musical stuff, I guess. Uh, yep. Or should we? You know what? Actually, no. Fuck it. We'll go a little long today. Let's talk about some news. We still okay. got some news we didn't talk about. MTV aired in black and white today. Why? To start a conversation about race. 
Oh, versus me turning on my TV going, what the fuck is this? And pushing the buttons and going, why my shit in color? Every other channel in color. You're just confusing people in TV. Right. People ain't going to think about race. They're going to think shit is broke. Right. It's going to be like MTV real world, but black and white. Like, how is that making about race at all? Like, Yeah, I'm going to say <laughs> Xbox on. They'd be like, uh-uh, Xbox, what's happening here? Yep. It's the first time um, that it will be black and white in its 34-year history. The programming move is meant to promote hashtag the talk initiative, encouraging viewers to discuss race with their friends and family. Oh man, how many people are gonna have to change the channel? Me? So what do you so what do you think about Ferguson? I think they should let them niggers die. Oh my goodness. I'll just put this on VH one then. Right. Back to the regular scheduled program. Right. Uh the device of turning us black and white is going to be really visually a jolt to say, you know what? There are differences. If we are going to ever get to a freer, more equal society, the best thing we can begin to do is talk about them. MTV president Stephen Friedman said, Mm -mm, don't waste my time. I like to see my MTV ratchetness in color. I like to see my (laughs) MTV non-music videos, 30 second clips in color. You don't show videos no more. The Retro Look programs will air for 12 hours and will include personal reflections on race from entertainers and public officials, including Kendrick Lamar, who doesn't believe in racism. He says if you just pull your pants up, you'd be all right, black people. Wait, these are the people they got to talk about race? Kendrick Lamar, Big Sean? Big Sean of MILF. That Big Sean. Uh, Didn't Big Sean make Pussy Overrated? Was that somebody else? No, that's Future. I don't know. Jordan Sparks, Pete Wentz, Senator Rand Paul, Representative John Lewis, Senator Cory Booker, Selma Director Ava DuVernay, and actor David Oyelowo, who I'm assuming they're going to be promoting Selma. Right, and I'm going to tell you right now, I wouldn't see you in color, so why am I always time in black and white? I wonder if this is just a big ad for Selma. It's possibly, yeah, possibly they may have some kind of contract going on and they feel like people are like, well, what the fuck is this? And, yeah. you know, stick around. But that's the thing. I'm not going to say what the fuck is this and stick around. I'm going to yeah. go, what the fuck is this and change their channel? We thought that what what better day than MLK Day to really use not only the history and the power what Dr. King said with the I Have a Dream speech, but hear it from artists, political leaders, and the audience to really spark a national conversation. The latest uh, MTV initiative is part of a It's Look Different anti-bias campaign that launched April 2014 to get young people to talk about race, gender, and sexual orientation. Mm-mm. I, and my, my, my thing is uh, I applaud your calls. Don't get me wrong. You just don't think it'll work. No, because you're talking, baby, I think you, you're talking to a whole generation, even including our generation. My TV was never in black and white. My right. TV was always in color. Ah, you know, it's not like we're going back to TV land. Like, my shit was not the honeymooners. So everything mm-hmm. I watch has always been in color. So I would be confused. So I know somebody younger than me would be fucking confused. And to me, you're going to cause more confusion at MTV. Why <laughs> my shit in black and white? At MTV, you know. Uh, I just want to know if it's going to say, like, hashtag the talk at the bottom. And then, like. Uh, 30 seconds of like big sean talking about racism and then it's just gonna cut to like people in the real world beating each other up because they're different races you know what i mean like like what like are you gonna change your programming as well or is it just gonna be the same shit right it's just gonna be in black and white the campaign created commercials with civil rights group 
including the NAACP in the aftermath of the fatal shooting of 18-year-old Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri last summer. The network also aired a special Laverne Cox presents the T word about transgender youth with orange with the oranges and new black star. A MTV oh, I study. Oh, the T word. Transgender. Yeah, I didn't know. Just I mean, I just say transgender. This is the know. name of the special. I don't think oh, okay. people really say the T word. Okay, because I was like something, something, something going on. I don't know nothing about. An MTV study found that ninety one percent of millennials believe in equality and believe everyone should be treated equally. Well, who are the nine percent of assholes who are like, nah? <laughs> I, not I. I. I object. Sorry, random internet poll. I do not believe in equality. Mm-hmm. Nice try. You won't get me with this question. Nope. About sixty-one percent <laughs> of teens and young adults said they believe that that they have been the target of bias. The percentage is even higher among women, people of color, and LGBT people. Um, there was something else I was gonna say about this. Now I can't remember what it was. Hmm. Ah, just left me that quick, but. But yeah, um, it, I mean, I guess that's interesting. That's one way to look at it. Um, you know, I, I I figured the best way to get people to talk about race is just to fucking interrupt their brunches. Am I right, people? Come on, <laughs> you gotta get up in that brunch, man. That, that's where that's where it hurts. You gotta walk up in there when they banging on those fucking bagels and be like, "Hold up, man. What about these black people dying?" And that, you know, that's where people really. I think that's the thing that worked the best. Honestly, <laughs> I wonder if they even gonna air the video black and white from Michael Jackson. They may as well since we're going full fledged. <laughs> I just, I, I guess tomorrow we'll hear what the statements were about that. But I feel like Kendrick, Big Sean, some of these artists have too much to to lose by being like, I'm anti racism. Right, you know gonna be, it's gonna be very generic. Like they're not gonna say anything controversial. Yeah, I feel like they're gonna come out and be like, you know, black everybody people, equal. As long as we respect ourselves, then people will respect us and shit like that. I don't think they're going to go that far. It's going to be like, hey, we all should look at each other as equals because we all are equals in this world. Like, the shit is going to be... Buy my album. Right. The shit is going to be very, very generic. We, you, you, MTV, you don't want to have a conversation about race because for a long time, MTV, black people were not allowed to come on your station, MTV. People haven't forgot that bullshit if you know your history about MTV. Yeah um uh also this is news diversity is important in the follow-up to the bible remember i think two years ago when they had the bible miniseries i didn't watch a single episode nope and some people were upset uh well they said the bible which premieres easter sunday on nbc said on friday it was important to hire an ethnically ethnically diverse cast for the story of what happens in the hundred years after the crucifixion of jesus Christ Apostle John is portrayed by Gambian actor Babu Kise, uh, or maybe Cise, while Mary Magdalene is played by Chipo Chung, an actress who is half Zimbabwean and half Chinese and is now based in London. Juan Pablo de Pace, or de Pace, uh, who is from Argentina, uh, has the role of Jesus. So they're gonna try to diversify it up. They get, get a bunch of brown people from all over the world and, Mix them in with the white folks and uh see what happens. Yeah, and you know what? If you're gonna be telling a story about the Bible, you might as well because people tend to make those stories so white centric in America. Right? They, you know, because there's a lot of it's based off of things happening in Egypt and Israel and all right. that stuff and the Middle those, East. Right? And those people are brown. Right? Africa and the Middle East is where the Bible takes place, and then like everybody in the movie is white and. 
so yeah if they're gonna mix it up a little bit i think that's smart you know um i do too now i do remember the big controversy last year was that the devil in that looked like barack obama and people got upset so hopefully the devil doesn't make a return yeah i hope they decide to kick him off the cast right or maybe he looks something different can get like a mitt romney devil this time since uh, he lost no he'll be running for president now and get a john mccain looking devil you can't raise his arms what's happening the white devil (laughs) you know just put it out there for hollywood but uh yeah diversity in the bible not bad um i mean and i think i'm glad they came out and said something because i feel like it's a statement against um exodus right because people were so mad that they was like hey doll hey hey um yeah all the brown people over there nobody brown can be starring okay yeah like i just i feel like if you do um come out with a diverse cast it's a direct shot at hey all these reasons people said this would be successful they said exodus you know was a big like oh we can't make it too brown nobody will watch it i think nbc is still gonna get good ratings because it's about the bible people gonna watch it or not you know like that's right a lot of people just gonna watch it because it's about the bible you don't necessarily need to make it some you know only white cast correct uh so i watched the whitney houston lifetime movie Mm -hmm, i did too or as i like to call it whitney houston the bobby brown story i guess exactly what it was uh you can tell that the whitney houston family did not work with um director angela bassett at all um and you can tell that she had to go off a lot of what bobby said yes you can um (laughs) every time i finish the sentence karen just ad-libbing like right you can anyway um um, but you can tell that (laughs) because i'm sorry now i can't stop hearing it (laughs) I, i got this karen i got this i got these sentences um but yeah what so whitney's um family was not pleased with it they actually said prepare yourself for the worst on twitter Uh um it said if you watch this movie watch it knowing that lifetime is notorious for making bad biopics why did we start calling them biopics i used to think it was biopics but okay uh biopics of deceased celebrities embrace yourself for the worst pat houston wrote she said she didn't think it entered the minds of anyone involved with that project about what lifts up one person in the headlines may in fact destroy another. Oh. Oh, does this saying that because of Aaliyah? Which I didn't see. The Aaliyah movie I heard was terrible. Me I recorded too. it. I started watching. I got 10 minutes in. I turned that shit off. It's the worst thing ever. And plus, I wasn't a big Aaliyah fan like that. At least not on the level where I saw her as like a story that needs to be told. Correct. You know? Like I didn't find her life on or off record to be that fucking interesting so i to me i just never cared you know and then i think the person in charge was um wendy williams so it's like fuck no i'm not watching that Ain't that the truth <laughs> like it's bad acting it was terrible but um in uh this joint with angela bassett man uh directing the the whitney houston story i've gotta say man it was okay yeah yeah it wasn't the best but it wasn't the worst either and they didn't really go into her complete downfall they ended it on a slightly redemptive note of her like possibly thinking about going to rehab and straighten her life out well obviously we know that didn't happen but um it was kind of funny because uh yaya the actress who played um whitney was so good she was she really was good man like i i gotta put her 
right after Lil Mama as Left Eye on the VH1 t- TLC movie. Yeah, she became Left Eye, yes. Yeah, like she wasn't quite Lil Mama status, Mm-mm. but damn, she was up there, man. She gave me the Whitney vibes, man. She yeah, even she... had the non-dancing shoulder bop. Right, right, because Whitney couldn't dance, mm-hmm. and uh, she lip-synced the hell out of them songs. Yeah, I think they said Jennifer Hudson did the vocals, so she lip-synced to Jennifer Hudson's okay. vocals, which, you know, still amazing, because um, it sounded good, you know? Like, I, like watching that movie, I don't think if I wouldn't have told somebody that, they would have thought Whitney Houston's music was playing. Somebody said Deborah Cox did the Oh, vocals. that's what it was, Deborah Cox, my bad, not Jennifer Hudson uh but, but anyway same thing like someone else did the vocals and sang it um mm-hmm. and uh and and they were so good that people were like oh that's what that i think that's whitney singing that like she's lip singing to whitney she wasn't um now here's the where it's fucked up you can tell the family wasn't involved in this shit and bobby brown was giving his recollection or something <laughs> Cause they made Bobby Brown out to be a fucking angel Bobby, until the last fifteen minutes of that movie. Bobby Brown was saying no to drugs. Yes, Bobby Brown was 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 fucking other women. No, he was supposed to be the bad boy of R and B, but he was he was saying no to pussy, no to drugs, right. no to alcohol. Whitney, I love you. Yeah, Whitney was doing the drugs. He was like, don't. And I understand some people will be like, well, that's what we heard about Bobby is that she corrupted him and all this shit man bullshit he didn't do nothing wrong until her get the fuck out of it. nothing bobby brown was just out here living clean and sober and free Mm-mm. get the fuck I out don't of believe here that. so yeah that movie didn't ring true with that because it's like every chance they had to make him look like the good guy they did even when the when like she finds out that he has two kids already uh he you know he says like i'm gonna take care of my kids always and you know i'm gonna do the right thing as a man blah 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 and then he sleeps with his ex with his baby mama and even that in that situation he's like i only slept with her because we was on a break but it felt like what a person that cheats tells you is their excuse except it's in a movie <laughs> right. it's like it was like the bobby brown is an angel movie you know the only thing that i'm surprised they didn't do was like have whitney cheating on him yeah, I I'm, thought they were uh, going to go that way for a while, but I guess they didn't. I'm um, surprised, too. And one thing I did like or enjoy was it kind of took you down a trip down memory lane. Because while we was live tweeting, um, Twitter and, and people following were, like, posting stuff to kind of show the accuracy. It was like, yeah, they had, you know, this on for the wedding or they would this to this award show. So that was that was cool. And it some things made me remember how lame the eighties was like fucking white stockings. I hate goddamn white stockings. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I just had a flashback when I seen Whitney with them white stockings. Um, and it's just one of those things where, uh, I thought that part of it was just cool. And I didn't realize they were married for so long and stuff like that. Like, like that part of it was, and to me it was just enjoyable just to live to it. Like I said, it wasn't the best, but it, Lord knows it wasn't. I seen bad movies. It wasn't the worst. Yeah. So, um, it was just, you know, I I was just, I was impressed, but probably because I had very low expectations. Me too. You know, but, um, at the same time, it felt like a love letter to Bobby Brown. I'm like, oh, you, yeah. Then after they finished, didn't they have, 
after the movie, we gonna interview Bobby Brown to find out what really happened. I was like, what kind of bullshit is this? I couldn't watch that. I me tried. Either. I watched about 20 minutes. And it was not. And I realized I didn't give a fuck. Me either. I didn't really care what Bobby's take on it was. You know, no offense to Bobby, but it, it just didn't really matter what he thought about everything. Because he had a lot of I didn't know and he seemed like a real humble cool guy didn't seem like he was being malicious at all but it was just like yeah you know all right we get it well you know she wasn't perfect but neither was bobby and that's all he was gonna give you anyway um the, the one part that was funny though was when the old girl asked him um could he have slept with uh did he was he surprised when whitney came on to him and he was like nah like bitch i could have fucked you if it was 1996 what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> like i was fucking everything i had it yeah like you are you crazy this thug loving what are you talking about she would have been blind you know uh vh1 canceled uh sorority sisters and brought the season to a quick end are you happy people are you happy they said the last three of the 10 episodes will air back to back friday uh is is intended to satisfy viewer interest by bringing the cast stories full circle so uh, there you go sororities you got got the co- the show kicked off the air um it would have ended anyway you know the funny thing it wasn't a good show nope and here's why it wasn't good because they actually weren't doing anything fucked up no they didn't get in any physical altercations they weren't getting sloppy drunk they didn't hit each other they didn't you know do all the gross shit you that people normally have to do on reality shows to keep you know keep people's interest you know normally these shows got people like Oh, she shit on the steps or, you know, just something out. Oh, look at her throwing up, you know. None of that shit happened. They were a little bit catty, but other than, you know, the cut scenes where they would be like, you know what, because Delta girls, we don't play or something like that. There was really no point in a tie-in to the sororities in the first place. It wasn't demeaning, in my opinion. And for people to be like, it needs to get off the air because it represents me and my sorority, um it just solidifies the idea that a lot of people in those organizations just see themselves as above black people uh-huh. because it's not like even with you being black and in the sorority you're not pissed at love and hip-hop for representing black people you're not mm-hmm. pissed at uh all these other shows with black cast on it and going look at how they do us get this shit off the air but once it hit too close to home which was to say hey um this is your um actual sorority then it was like well now it's too much for me so kind of whack in my opinion um let's see what else we got um oh we make jokes about glitter bombs and all this stuff and how it's the best form of uh revenge Mm -hmm. someone created a website called ship your enemies glitter.com oh that bitches yeah yeah people ordering that shit like crazy and they said uh we send uh glitter to people you hate so it got two and a half million hits in four days god damn so <laughs> it went Woo. extremely extremely uh viral um the site is closed now i think the guy said he didn't want to do it anymore because uh it was fucked the man up man was so high uh but uh, he says all right so by now you've decided that someone's going to be on the receiving end of a surprise glitter mess as you have to do to send them, all you have to do to send them said message to fill out the form below and hit, uh, on the right and hit the buy now button. 
you'll be taken off the shitty website for payment processing via paypal and you know all that stuff you know they, they go in further and say yes we know paypal is a shitty company hell why not send those dicks some glitter after we receive the payment and spend the profit on cheap booze we'll get shit ready and have the mail sent to the person you hate purchasing and then now they say purchasing has been temporarily suspended you guys have a sick fascination with shipping people glitter we received all orders and working through them there are tons so be patient you can spam me on twitter for updates at matt carpenter on twitter um who now has about nine thousand three hundred something followers uh maybe he listened to the podcast i don't know how he <laughs> thought of this idea but it's brilliant, brilliant. Um, I wish everybody that I would, someone should just take our ideas, make a million dollar ideas, and then just send us a check for like ten percent. You know, um, I'll be fine with that. But yeah, it says. Uh, but yeah, it was just fun that uh, funny that someone actually did that. You know, we talked. We made. We also talked about you know buying kids glitter as a Christmas gift so their parents have to clean it up. Get that shit everywhere. But uh, yeah, ship your enemies glitter. I, I love that it had to shut down. Because, again, they said they, they basically could not keep up with demands. Like, they was like, let's shut it down. Because if not, we'll never be able to fill out all these goddamn orders. That's how, honestly, like, that's how fucked up people are. Right. They immediately were like, we need to do this. Uh, President Obama calls for cities to build government-run high-speed internet. I agree. The states will never go for it. But I motherfucking agree because we in America, we pay too much for fucking Internet access. We pay too motherfucking much for slow ass speed. We do. We're using goddamn telephone lines. Our most people's Internet access was designed for you to fucking talk and nothing more. And the companies are too goddamn cheap to invest money in an infrastructure to get the people the Internet so the shit can drop. The only people that's doing it right is Google, but they're slowly moving across the country. And as soon as they get that shit here, that's what we're going to. Because, goddammit, you paying hundreds of dollars for month, a month for your shit to be slow going in and slow going out. You can't stream Netflix like you want to at high times. Fuck you. You taking all this money and you're not investing it and making people shit faster here in America. Yeah. Um... The other thing is 19 states have laws restricting the construction of municipal networks. And the president is asking the Federal Communications Commission, FCC, to preempt these laws. Um, he's also planning to offer subsidy to promote investments in local broadband. Yeah, because you and, and on top of that, you have places in our country that can't even get Internet access. Well, right now, the typical American household has an Internet connection with a download speed between 10 and 20 megabits per second. But the technology exists to build residential broadband networks that are a lot faster. In fact, few American cities enjoy network speed as high as 1,000 Mbps. Shit. 50 to 100 times faster than average. And some of the networks were built not by big telecom providers, but by municipal governments or publicly owned electrical utilities companies. For example, the city of Chattanooga, Tennessee, has a publicly a public utility that decided to get into municipal broadband business in 2007. As a result, households can now get one gigabit, which is a thousand Mbps, service for just seventy dollars a month. Ooh. Yeah, we pay much more than that for our internet. Much and fucking. It's not that fast. No, that's why I've been looking at that Google shit. Like, come on, Google, come on, get get y'all asses here, please. Municipal broadband supporters view Cedar Falls, where Obama is visiting today, as another success story. 
there too the public utility company built a municipal broadband network that provides speeds up to one gigabit per second gigabit service is expensive 135 per month but you can also get download speeds of 100 megabits per second for 70 dollars a month that compares favorably to broadband service offered by conventional cable and telephone companies everywhere in the country um while the networks in chattanooga and city fall are impressive it is important to note that private companies have had some notable successes as well Google has built a gigabit fiber optic network in Kansas City and is currently expanding to Austin, Texas and Provo, Utah. An organization called GigU is working to arrange for private investors to finance gigabit networks in college towns. Um, so uh, municipal broadband is controversial, especially among Republicans, of course. Of municipal broadband services had the detractors critics argue that building municipal fiber is a big risk the taxpayers are on the hook if the bet doesn't pay off for example they point to provo utah where which was forced to sell its public network to google at a huge loss after the network failed to match lofty projections many municipal fiber opponents also have philosophical objections to the whole concept of the government's building internet service they uh believe it's unfair to use taxpayer dollars to compete with the private sector. And they think private companies will do a better job in the long run. Word. I just think we're getting to the point where the internet is a resource is the same as water, right? power, heat, and the government does need to be involved. You have to have it. Yeah, I feel like we're at a point where we put ourselves at risk of being behind as a country. Shit, we behind now, but you exactly. let Americans tell it we number one. We the dumbest country in the motherfucking world, but we tell it we number one in everything. Word. Yeah, I, I think the internet is at a, at a point where we should be looking at it as a necessity, as something we want to provide for all citizens. You know, I, I don't think uh you know and and i understand that you know you don't want to violate the private area but when is competition um uh, even with the government you know necessarily um well you know what even if it's not competition even if you make some of these companies suffer in the short term until they find other workarounds or even if you make them step up their own uh pricing and and serve customer service because who the fuck would would you say looks around at that cable provider and internet provider and goes, I get great customer service. Not very many. Very. And uh, part of that is because they don't have to. Because they have, they have commercial monopolies. Right. And there's no competition. And there's no, for some place in this country, it's Comcast or nothing. For some place in this country, it's Time Warner or nothing. You don't get another option. It's either that shit or fucking satellite. Right. And the way they tell it, they was like, well, you can get satellite. It is not the motherfucking same. It is not the same. Satellite is not the same. Right. You know, and, and it's one of those things where people act like you could just flip flop and go between the two. It's not the same. And I think for me, the, the thing that frustrates me is that it would cause rates to go down. People pay too much for too little. The companies don't give a fuck. They just want your goddamn money and give you poor ass customer service. And, and if some shit happened, well, we can only come Monday between noon and 8 p.m. Bitch, I can't block my whole motherfucking day because this is the only time he can bring his ass by here to fix my shit. Right. So, and it's not like the government has been known to have the most efficient, uh, shit in customer service as well. I think this is just give, private companies also are impetus to step their game up man right and they're not gonna do it unless they prompt to companies don't give a fuck companies the bottom line they're about that motherfucking profit they do not change and they do not move unless they're forced to yeah government internet for everybody yay <laughs> for president obama's wilding out right now i love him yeah 
Because he's like, like, fuck it, what you going to do? You reelect me? <laughs> like, every day he's just like, you know what, free college. Fuck it. Who wants some free college? Anybody want some free college? You can have some free college. And you're just like, what? Free college? Yeah, free college for everybody. Y'all got this. Um, uh, Let's see what else we got. Actually, I know we got more Obama news somewhere. Okay. Um, oh, the Pope said people can breastfeed in the Sistine Chapel. Uh, another one of those things that hmm, very superficial. Yeah, you ain't, get a lot of pre- yeah. get a lot of press for it, get a lot of props for it. You ain't Doesn't really change anything. Not a damn thing. Um, where's my? Anyway, I know he. There was something else Obama did, and I don't know if I saved it under a different tag or what. But at, at any rate, um, he's been busy. Like he's just every day. He's just like, and eh, now this shit. So you better enjoy it now. Oh, well, this is what it was. Uh, holder limits seized asset sharing process that split billions with local state police. Basically, nobody can just take your shit without re- a reason anymore. Like before, they could just be like, um, we're taking your cash, cars, and other property. We don't need a warrant or criminal charges. Mm-mm. We just suspect you might be doing something. We're just taking it. Hey, I smell weed. Give me your fucking car. Right. And- right so he's using uh he's stopping police he barred them from from using federal law uh to seize cash cards and other property without warrants or criminal charges holders actions represents the most sweeping check on police power to confiscate personal property since the seizures began three decades ago as part of the war on drugs right that was their whole reason and so you when you pull somebody over if you suspect or think or or, or either somebody told you their baby's mama daddy you could just pull them over and a lot of people abuse that and you would have people like did we read a story about the uh uh strippers or somebody that yeah. like had all this cash they just took that shit and the thing is that it's 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 a money racket because you take that shit you don't charge them you don't get them that shit back or if you do charge them, they show up in court. The officer don't show up in court. You drop all the charges, but they don't get their shit back that you took from them. Well, not just that. They make the burden of proof on you to prove the money's not illegal. Right. Which if I'm just like a stripper getting paid in cash and I decide I'm not deposit the money until I get back or whatever. Now I've got to prove my money is not drug dealer money or some shit like. That's impossible. Yeah. How do I prove I didn't do some shit? when the police are involved like that right and this is how they target people that they know did with large amounts of cash yeah. like you say strippers you know some sometimes waiters and waitresses have tons you know lots of ones and shit like that you know because like you say you deal in the industry just cash yeah so i'm yeah not not I, i'm a big fan of what holder's doing here i'm glad because fuck you don't pull me over and take my shit since 2008, thousands of local and state police agencies have made more than 55,000 seizures of cash and property worth $3 billion under a civil asset forfeiture program as Justice Department called Equitable Sharing. The program has enabled local and state police to make seizures, and then they have, have them adopted by federal agencies which share in the proceeds. So then they take the money and they split it. It, it allowed police departments and drug task forces to keep up to 80% of the proceeds of adopted seizures with the rest going oh. to federal agencies. So also you're incentivizing them to over police communities. Right. Unless the war on drugs, guess which community they're going to with this new policy effective immediately. The justice department is taking an important step to prohibit it, to prohibit federal agency adoptions of state and local seizures, except for public safety reasons. Holder said in a statement, 
Holder's decision allows limited exceptions, including illegal firearms, ammunition, explosive, and property associated with child pornography, a small fraction of the total. This would eliminate virtually all cash and vehicle seizures made by local and state police from the program. Yeah, because sometimes they take that shit, turn around and sell it because you can't afford to get your own shit back. So they sell the cars, they auction them off. Uh, while police, yeah, because don't do them no good. Now, while police can continue to make seizures under their own state laws, equitable sharing was easy to use and required most of the proceeds from the seizures to go to local and state police agencies. Some states have higher standards of proof for forfeitures, and some require seized proceeds to go into the general fund. Um, so with that program, they were able to be like, oh, we'll, we will get the money. What, but with a lot of states now, it's just going to go into a general fund. So it's like the police don't know that they'll get that money. But if they would have been the federal fund, with the federal program, they would have actually split it 50 50 with federal government and then local police agent, the local police department. Hmm. So it was like, we find a car, we're, we're taking it, we sell it for $5,000, 2500 goes to Fed, 2500 goes directly to the police. Now it'll be, we find a car, we try to sell it for $5,000, $5,000 goes into a general fund for the government, not directly back to this police department. So you might have police departments that are less like likely to confiscate shit. Good, good, yeah. good, good. I I agree with that uh, because it's like you said, it's one of those things where a lot of this comes from you know brown communities and shit like that because these are the people that they're gonna search and seizure and just randomly take their shit. An Alabama principal uh, wants kids to start bringing canned goods to school. Care? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good story, huh? I don't know your tone. Well, um, he wants them to have them so they can be um, used to throw at possible school shooters or intruders. It'll be the last line of defense. Throwing a can at someone that is shooting up the school. Nigga, what? Instead of giving it to the underprivileged and poor kids in your community that probably could use the food to eat because they don't have anything for dinner, Priscilla Holly, principal at WF Burns Middle School in Valley, Alabama, sent out a letter to parents on Friday explaining that children can fling the can of peas, corn, and Irish potatoes at individuals who would do them harm. Holly asked that parents arm their children with eight ounce cans of their choice of foodstuffs so that students might stun the intruder or even knock him out until police arrive. Now, what if the students take the cans and start throwing them at each other now as you told them they can throw these cans? (laughs) Right, because that's what the fuck kids do. Or either, yeah, now not only do your baby get hit with a bullet, now your baby is sprayed with the can of corn he was throwing at the person. Or that person might take the can and beat your child with it because it's now another weapon. Uh, Yeah. Um, The canned food item will give students a sense of empowerment to protect themselves and will make them feel secure, she said. Oh, I didn't know canned corn make you feel powerful. Yeah. What, canned spinach? Do I gonna be pop out? What the fuck is happening? This makes no sense. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember the other story I was gonna talk about. Uh, President Obama raising taxes on the rich. That's what he's proposing. Now, I don't think it'll pass, but Mm-mm. just saying. He, he, he be, he be, he be working. That's all I'm saying. Um, let's see what else we got going on. Um, I feel like. Let's do this instead of fucking with black people. Uh, we'll just do some stories here. Okay. Uh, some of the NYPD's finest said Mayor de Blasio is sucking the cock of every protester. 
for the new york city's mayor bill de blasio it's almost as if a little respect is hard to come by but now uh by now we should all be familiar with the nypd's ill-timed arguably tasteless protest against mayor de blasio now the new york review of books is reporting that some of new york's finest is, is are expressing even more bitter sentiments against their boss's boss writer michael greenberg published a lengthy essay on the site detailing the deaths of two on-duty officers protest culture and now strained relationship between new york's police force and their mayor the most jarring segment of the article however was when the writer joined a gang of police officers at a bar after officer rafael ramos's funeral in between sips and toasts the officers discredited the work of the protest of those protesting in cahoots with the millions march nyc and slaring mayor bill de blasio in one breath after officer ramos's funeral i asked a group of cops who had gathered in one of the neighborhood bars why they aimed their argue so, ar- anger so exclusively at mayor de blasio didn't the blacks and the protesters merit at least a portion of their contempt no they said i don't i didn't understand the protesters didn't count they were just followers rabble rousers anarchists no nothing kids looking to make a scene when i suggested that this surely wasn't true of everyone um of the thirty thousand demonstrators in december 13th i mean on december 13th one of the officers shot back it was de blasio's fault all those people showed up he told them it was okay to spit in our faces they knew we had been given orders to let them run wild a diminutive white-haired sergeant that's what they heard right wow and they let them run wild like what were you supposed to do beat them down they weren't doing anything illegal <laughs> just gathering in a public space now you get to fucking fuck them up because you don't like it a diminutive white-haired sergeant climbed to the top of the stool silenced the bar and in a booming voice delivered a rhyming toast that ended with the verse de blasio is nothing but a horse court gesture sucking the cock of every protester the cops in the bar roared and three or four officers followed with de Blasio hating toast of their own drinks flowed. A retired detective from Yonkers reminisced in great detail about the various suspects or mutts he clobbered and left for dead. When he saw me listening and obviously suspected I was, it wasn't one of us, he said with an unconvincing smile, none of those stories are true. I understand. So. Right. Cause he's like, uh, you look like you don't belong here and you might be a reporter. Yeah so mm. i i don't them stories was real baby right <laughs> you can you can say that after the fact but them stories you told was true uh yeah yeah um just another just another day uh all right oh lee daniels says he wants to expose homophobia um i've been watching uh empire and i'd say so far he's doing a great job of making everybody look homophobic on the show <laughs> oh, man they actually said faggot on network tv didn't know you could even do that me either fcc didn't shut that down says he wants to blow the lid off of homophobia in the african-american community with the depiction of the show's lead character's hostile relationship with his gay son lee daniel who's also behind the movies lee daniels the butler and precious said that his own father's hostility towards gays frightened him and he knows the same attitudes are being passed on from one generation to another in the households around the world what we're trying to do is give people the opportunity to see what they're doing is painful daniel said at a television conference on saturday empire the story of a strong-willed music family whose patriarch Lu- lucius lyon is portrayed by actor terrence howard and his s-girl has gotten off to a strong start <laughs> this month at the ratings challenge fox network the series had the unusual feat of growing in viewership from its premiere week to its second, 
compelling fox to quickly give the go-ahead to a second season damn yeah so that's why and gotham had to uh wait a whole half a season before they try to renew it during the show's first episode Lyons learns he has a fatal disease and is battling with his just release from jail wife over which of their three sons will take over the music empire Lyons is openly hostile to his gay son jamal during a flashback line is shown stuffing jamal into a garbage can when he sees the boy trying on his mother's high heels i'm glad i can show the african-american community that this is what you're doing to your son this is what you're doing to your nephew this is what you're doing to the kid down the street i Mm. i'm just i just hate when it just falls on the only black people have a problem with gays we all know this Mm -mm. we just i mean like there was an article the other day where oh a trans person was trying to be uh at the trying to be buried at a church and they were like their family dressed him up as a boy you know like rather than hey you are a woman that you identified uh you know you were born a woman but you identified as a man i mean you're born a man but you identified as a woman we're gonna dress you up as a man because that's what we decided uh another story was there was one where they wouldn't they wouldn't let a family have a funeral because they were going to put up a picture of her uh wife and kids Mm -hmm. so they were like no no take this lesbian shit down we will not bury this person we'll not let you have a funeral but that's a white family that's not a black thing right but you don't never hear that but it always comes down when it's shit like this is always always like only black people do this baby we don't go to the polls and overwhelmingly vote for shit not to pass that's not us right like we made a small percentage of the vote in california but yet chick-fil-a who bought and paid for churches to get back and forth to fucking uh the polls to vote against gay marriage they don't get any of the blame it goes down to oh there are like three black priests that i saw and uh, i don't like those preachers and how they were talking mm-hmm. about it so it's a black thing like no a lot of people are anti are, are homophobic across but, the board all color races creed and religions yeah but i, I could tell this is going to be a thing because lee daniels has a history of dealing with this from his father and this is personal for him so he's going to exploit this and uh you know and i mean this is not a black community thing. i'm not mad at him i'm not mad at him because you have to tell the story that you're born with correct you want to tell the story that you experienced and this is his experience but it just sucks that it's going to be seen as a broad sweeping statement of all black people are homophobic and that's not true yeah um are our school kids taking the school bus to hell, Karen? I don't know, are they? Um, well, uh, we need to look into this. Somebody investigating? Yeah, somehow someone put a, a pentagram on the back of a school bus. And that's how you can tell that some evil is afoot, Karen. Oh, Lord. Well, that's what happened. Let me put this story in the chat room for everybody real quick. Evil! So everybody in the chat room can... Uh, follow along there we go and boom and why is it moving slow all right we've been uh, using this browser for a while let's uh give everybody a little bit of jam till we can get back
think it's back. Let me just turn the volume up. Pentagram uh, in the break. You be the judge. Is this a satanic symbol on this Mid-South school bus or simply a brake light? Some parents are concerned, outraged after noticing what they see as a pentagram in the brake light of this school bus. Well, WMC Action News 5's Kanji Anthony has more now on what some could see as the devil in the details. Robin Wilkham says she was so shocked, she snapped a pic of the brake lights in this Durham School Services bus at a stop in Cordova. Anyone who fears a god is thought... God and Jesus Christ should be outraged. Wilkins says it's appalling the brake lights are shaped like a pentagram. A pentagram is an upside-down five-pointed star. Merriam-Webster says the pentagram is often used as a magic or religious symbol. If you can't put a cross on there, you cannot put a pentagram on it. She points out just last month Walgreens pulled wrapping paper from its shelves because the images appeared to be swastikas. Would we allow a swastika, for instance, to be on the back of the bus? We asked unsuspecting people what they think. People should be upset if that is against their um, feelings, religions, etc. And what they see. I see a light. Even if they did only see a brake light, they still had questions. Why do you put it up there? Why do you get it like it upside down? Joe Applewhite has been practicing Wicca 16 years. Is that a pentagram? Technically, yes. She says the pentagram is their cross or Star of David. Wiccan, we believe in God, we believe in Jesus. We don't call him God. She won't deny the symbol is used by Satanists, but says it is also used for good. Find out what it really means before you start getting all riled up and worked up about something. She wonders if people are making a whole lot of something out of nothing. Hey, go find out if it was intentional. Either way, Wilkins says the lights send the wrong signal, and she wants them changed. To be replaced with just solid lights. Neither the school system nor the bus company would respond to any of the questions. From the newsroom, Kanji Anthony, WMC Action News 5. That's right, Karen. It was the bus to hell. Not Gus the bus, just the bus to hell. Mm -hmm. It was Satan the bus uh, <laughs> to hell. Like, how much time do you have on your hands? A lot of them don't have time. To be like, I need to call the news. I saw some i saw some something in the light they have the nothing but time because i would have been like oh okay well let me turn left right here and take my black ass to work yeah oh man all right let's get to everybody's new favorite segment um all right chat room pay attention 
and we're gonna go with these five options ballerific relationships dating don't scare him away by at Agree. that's number one number two groupie tales i met d ray davis in chicago number three ballerific beauty butt implants versus butt shots versus fat transfer by transfer by at dr miami number four ballerific relationships do i really want to date a baller by at queen ivania and number five miami condo wants to kick birdman out we're gonna let the chat room we all got between one through five Mm-hmm. uh three says wakanda's finest two three two two and three are going at it Woo. Oh, poor Karen got to tally all this shit up. Hmm. A lot of twos. Yeah. I think a couple people went twice. Oh, did they? Oh, because yeah. I went pandition who? Uh, Ashley went twice for some reason. Okay. I, I, I'm going to say two got it. All right. So we're going to number two. Group of tales. I met D-Ray Davis in Chicago. Uh, of course, we get these off of uh, BallAlert.com, one of my favorite sites. Apparently, uh, this post is by uh, 11.8. Apparently, comedians are getting all the groupie love these days. We've had Lil Duvall, Charlemagne the God, Corey Holcomb, and now D-Ray Davis is next up. This one even includes screenshots read below. I got to find more of those other ones then so we can put all those right, on the Right, I didn't know we had some of those. Disclaimer, groupie tales are submitted by our readers. We cannot confirm with 100% accuracy of any stories posted. So, I never really do this, but I'm bored, so whatever. I met D-Ray in Chicago over the summer. I was on summer break from the university that I attend downstate. My friend and I were in VIP at this club, and he was making an appearance in. That he was making a clearance in, okay? The DJ booth is connected to the VIP section. However, it had glass doors of security that separate the VIP section from the DJ booth. Coincidentally, I knew the DJ that was hosting, so security let me and my friend in the booth. As soon as D-Ray seen me, I knew he wanted me. What? So after some playful flirting, I took down his number. I feel like playful flirting is like grabbing his dick or something. Like, I feel like it's not classy at all. Mm-mm. The next day, I texted him good morning, and he asked me what my plans were for the day. After I told him I would be busy with family stuff, we kind of just stopped texting. Later that week, he hit me up and asked me what I was doing. I was leaving to go back to school that day. He told me to come over. Oddly enough, he lived right by me in the Chicago suburb. When I entered his house, I took a look around. It seemed pretty average for the area. Two-story home, not much furniture, but it was still very nice. We sat on the couch, and it was so weird because I was literally just watching him on Wild and Out. He's one of my favorite comedians. We casually talked about my major, my ex, and some other conversational fillers until all of a sudden he told me to stand up and I was confused and he clarified, I want to see what you work, what I, I want to see what I'm working with. I stood up and turned around and while he kept saying, nice, nice. He also stood up and told me to come upstairs. I said, I was like, for what? He didn't really respond at that moment. I was just going to leave, but curiosity made me stay. What the fuck did she think was going to happen up there? All right. Some dick is what. I followed him upstairs and he sat me on the bed and positioned his body between my legs. In my mind, I was like, I won't ever see this man again. Why am I doing this? He tried to get my pants down, but I stopped him. No, I don't do this. I don't even know you. I shouldn't even went this far. He was like, are we acting like kids or are we acting like grownups? That made me laugh because that line was so corny. 
I eventually took off my pants. <laughs> of course, because you came to fuck and so did he. Why else would you have went by his house? Oh, my God. That's so good. <laughs> so corny. <sighs> anyway, let me get these drawers off. All right. And he pulled down his basketball shorts. Let's just say he's definitely not big, but he isn't little either. But it has a deep hook upward that looks funny, but that helped him. He turned me around and hit it from the back for a while, then turned me around missionary in like four pumps he came. <laughs> I was very disappointed. It didn't take much work at all. I washed, I washed up and we had a small talk again. I decided to leave because he was being very boring. We've only texted a couple of times afterwards, but nothing serious. Then she put the pictures of the text. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Um, now she has 43 unanswered text messages, so I can only assume this woman is light skinned. Oh. Uh, she took out his digits for the last five or seven digits, but she put the, the 1310 in there. Mm-hmm. So it says, uh, that's where I am, lol. Well, I'm in, and then she blanked out the location. So see me. Okay, I just woke up. Let me get ready. I'll text you when I'm leaving out. About how long? Cause I'm gonna take another nap, lol like 40 minutes and lol another nap get up okay okay i'm on 83rd and cicero but sleepy call me when you hear then you gave her the address i guess country club hill okay and then you put good pussy having ass drive safe almost home one more hour good he put with two exclamation points now i'm assuming that could be from any nigga but she's saying this from him that's true now now here are the comments from marcy I don't know why this made me laugh so hard. Laugh my ass off. Selena Thomas put, "He's not funny, and yes, he's boring." She should have peeped. Oh, Lord. She should have peeped this when they first met. Spencer said, "For once, I actually believe this groupie tale." Laugh my ass off. Khalil Cleo says, "83rd to Cicero is a damn south suburbs. He does not stay anywhere near here." Shaking my head, he lives on the west side near the Loop. Nico Rose says, "She was like, I'm sending in receipts. This made me giggle." That good pussy having ass sounds like a a Negro might say. Uh, Ashley Morgan says, Lord have mercy, LOL. So Lutcher says, oh, Lord, I always thought he was so handsome with those eyes and lips. Selena Thomas says he is very attractive in person, but that's it. Oh. Now, Selena was hating because she called him not funny and boring earlier. Katsu Princess, but I mean, you fucking him. You're not asking him to do stand-up. Correct. Katsu Princess says, not surprised by his performance. He looks like a, but he looks like a good dude. Honey Hot, Hot, Honey Hunter says, I've been around DeRay twice and you can tell that he isn't packing. His body is out of shape and the girls I've seen him pull are always skinny, boyish figure, light skinned or foreign. Oh Lord. Not sure what that, was that shade? I don't know what. Mm-mm. I'm confused. Yeah. Um, and then Coco Bay said, this made me laugh. And that's the last comment. So that's it for the five stars bitches today on Power Alert. and this the remix all right 
Time to play our games, Karen. Let's do this. First up, guess the race. Now that it's time for some guess the race. That's right, it's guess the race time. Now that it's time for some guess the race. That's right, it's guess the race time. That's right, it's time for Guess the Race, the number one game show going across all the podcast land. We read and play news articles from all over the globe, and we ask our contestants today, the chat room, to guess the race. And the chat room is racist. All right. A woman was sentenced to 219 years for running an incest sex ring. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Wendy Holland, 35, was convicted last month on a host of charges, including sodomy and sexual abuse. She showed no emotion during the sentencing, which reportedly ensures she'll serve at least 50 years before an opportunity for parole will come by. All right. I guess she was like, mm-hmm. Dave was fucking y'all. Alabama, it's 219 years in prison, Karen. Ooh, a lot of prison. You will never see the light out the day outside of that jailhouse. Holland, um. I didn't know you could make a sentence that long. Yeah. Well, she, this is what happened when you help run an incest sex ring holland and brownlee were both convicted by separate baldwin county juries for sex crimes late last year in both cases victims testified about the horrifying sexual acts they were involved in since young ages prosecutors have said since uh said the sexual abuse spanned at least three generations all within the same family and that the defendants in some cases might have been victims themselves more than 30 years ago Teresa Hines, an assistant Baldwin County District Attorney, said after last month's conviction of Holland that victims viewed the sexual abuse akin to everyday activities like going to the grocery store. Well, goddamn. Yep, time to go fuck Pop Pop. Let me go get this over with. Despite the de facto life sentence, the case isn't exactly over. Holland still faces sentencing on other charges, and the family of one abused girl presumed to be dead is still looking for closure. We know she's been behind Britney's disappearance, and she knows where Britney is. The girl's stepmother tells Alabama.com, even though this doesn't bring Britney to us today, we know this is a victory for Britney. Oh, so they think she had, she had something to do with their baby's death. Mm-hmm. So uh, guess the race of Wendy Holland, uh, pedophile, sex ring, incest worker, runner, pimp. Are you a pimp if you only pimp family to family? Like, how does that work? You still a pimp in my book. Bitch, you better get my money from granddad. How am I going to pay for lunch? Whiter than Lena Dunham fucking a black dude. Oh. This bologna sandwich This bologna sandwich doesn't have enough mayonnaise on it white. Black people just play spades, but white people be thrill-seeking. Uh, called about school bus pentagram light while on the way to exploit some kids white. Wendy is a Cindy, which is another word for white. Also, the the it went on. Oh, also it went on for thirty years. Celebrate Robert E. Lee Day and think Selma was just a made-up story. White House Lannister ass cracker yeah. dog kissing daddy fucker. White Lena Dunham Southern relatives nasty motherfuckers burning hell. White Deliverance. White serial reporter thinks she's innocent. White Cersei Dunham. Uh, white Petty Patty. White that is. I was told by AppleCare White and White. Why did Fruity Pebbles? The correct answer is White. <laughs> Someone put True Detective White. <laughs> oh, 
I guess they want to uh, make flowers with the uh, other kids. Um, here's that, her picture. She like she did it. Yeah, she does. An incest pimp. Just incest pimping, baby. Incest madam. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to the bonus round. Whoops. Double the points and the race. Double the points and the race. That's right. Double the points, double the race, and the bonus round against the race. So far, everybody's one for one. Let's see if they can go two for two to close this out. That's right. We've been on for a while. A disgruntled ex-employee, 25 years old, broke into a former boss's office and trashed it with glitter and purple silly string. <laughs> i know what a petty petty crime oh but i love it it was a perfect revenge a disgruntled ex-employee broke into her former boss's office before covering it with glitter and purple silly string police have said samantha lockhart 25 who left her job as a clerk at the summit county fiscal office in akron ohio on monday allegedly got into her supervisor's office on wednesday by using her swipe card she was seen inside the building around 3.15 p.m. carrying toilet paper and a bag and was accompanied by a man, according to Northeast Ohio Media Group. Oh, they ain't deactivated her card. Right. She must have got the same card Cookie got on uh, uh, Empire. Right. I don't know how that woman keeps getting in that office. Once inside the office, she allegedly smashed the 48-year-old woman's personal photos, threw glitter and an unidentified white powder, and sprayed silly string around the room. During her rampage, she also trashed two desktop computers, a scanner and a printer, as well as sweaters the supervisor had left at her desk. She also allegedly broke into the woman's personal filing cabinet. Summit County Attorney Michael Cassidy told the Northeast Ohio Media Group that he wasn't able to provide a reason for Lockhart's departure from the office. Lockhart was arrested on Thursday and faces charges of fifth-degree felony vandalism. Fifth-degree? Damn, they go that high? I didn't know that. Uh, felony too. One, two, three, four, five, fifth. Everything yeah, you say, fifth. Right. Um, if I there are so many amendments. All right. So, um, breaking and entering and misdemeanor criminal damaging. She had been hired by a fiscal office in February 2013. Her last day was on Monday. She will appear at court on Friday. Guess the race of Samantha Lockhart. Chat room. Bitch, you guessed it. You was right. White. Ha, she black. A white bride would have been, would break, wouldn't break electronics. Huh? That's, what reason is that? Had, had some extra good. Black people don't break electronics. White people they, they could say it about the company's property. Yeah, white people don't break electronics. Uh, had some extra glitter from her cheap ass body lotion black. Oh. She picked up this fairy dust skill, her Disney princess class white glitter from her weave black. Seen inside <laughs> the building, seen inside the building in Northeast Ohio and was a shot white. Did the same thing to her Cavs jersey when LeBron left. <laughs> this is the most this work she ever done while there, lazy Negro. Single white male loving female. She'll get out on probation, white snow. One who had mono because one white, per, only white people get mono, white, black, Tinkerbell white. So white, she gentrified the neighborhood on her way to do all that. The correct answer yes, is she was black.
now many of you missed it so let me play some booze Let's do sore ratchetness and then we'll get out of here. That's right. That's how it always goes. Alexandra Police, a man with a samurai sword, threatens a store employee. Can't even go to work these days. Mm-mm. Minneapolis, Alexandria Police say that arrested they arrested a man who threatened a store employee while possessing a samurai sword Wednesday. Shortly after noon Wednesday, police responded to a reported fight in progress at a business. Um, when officers arrived, they determined that a somewhat disgruntled man, somewhat disgruntled, he got a fucking sword. Ah, somewhat he was wearing a button-up shirt and shoes and entered the store carrying a samurai sword and threatened one of the employees during the incident the sword was contained in a carrying sheath and was never brandished in a threatening manner but he had possession of the sword and threatened to kill the store employee but it wasn't brandished in a threatening manner yeah that's enough for me right me too details are limited but the man was then subdued by the store employees until officers arrived the man is in custody and formal charges are pending man what a sicko uh here's another one uh suspect threatened man with large sword uh and then robbed him inside of a queen's pet store what not even the pets are safe you don't care about human beings can't you at least care about the animals um this happened in kew gardens queens police are searching for a sword wielding suspect who robbed a man inside a queen's pet store robbery occurred around december 13th at 5 p.m uh according to police the suspect entered the store pulled out a large sword and demanded money the suspect then fled the store with around 400 dollars and a samsung cell phone no injuries were reported um the suspect described as five foot seven and was last seen wearing a tan jacket yankees hat and blue jeans um all right man that's it for today mm-hmm. shout out to comedian mike lawrence really yes. enjoyed having him on fun so much fun i always enjoy that dude check out his podcast nerd of mouth check him out on twitter the mike lawrence uh and check out mike lawrence comedy.com mm-hmm. uh, he's coming to a place near you go see him his album's on itunes satamantium it's brilliant um and uh make sure you guys also check out our sponsor tweakedaudio.com code tbgwt we'll be back tomorrow until then love you i love you too baby Mwah. Mwah.